ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast here on the 19th of September 2017. Hi. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello. 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 There's still lawnmowers outside, so if we keep singing like that, a kind of barbershop quartet sort of thing, they might eventually go away through embarrassment. I I'm good. Uh, glad about that. You know, I'm glad that is not being picked up. Mr. Lawnmower. Mr. Lawnmower. There we go. We're <laughs> Mr. Lawnmower, will you yeah. fuck off face and go somewhere else? Taking it on the road. Let's do it. I know it's a Sorry, job, TV. but I hate we you. We found our calling. <laughs> I think you should drive it off a cliff. How oh, dare. This episode of the Corruptional Podcast is brought to you by Hazing Lawnmowers and also Audible, an Amazon company. Audible.com slash cynical is the place that you want to go to get yourself a free audiobook and trial to the Audible service, which is full of audiobooks. In fact, the largest library of audiobook content in the world. We'll be giving you some recommendations a little bit later on in the show as to some of the things that we have been listening to over the week. Very good. Always love to be plugging some books, plugging some Audible. Yep, I love plugging books. I just realized my ooh <laughs> sounds like the alarm in Star Wars. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I, I, no, Run. no, I don't. I don't think most of the alarms sound like that. Uh, yep, that's the that Star Wars alarm. Say, I don't remember that sound specifically. No. <laughs> Maybe no. something Run, adjacent or so. to Run. it. Run! Ooh! Run! No. All right. They're coming for you. You have to get the plans to the rebellion. <laughs> oh my God! So we we watched um because we were oh, at yeah. JP's. We were at JP's uh, to film a live role play show this weekend, Ooh, and um, we all watched Rogue One. Well, I fell asleep halfway through it because I was exhausted. You, but we all we all watched Rogue also One, boring, so. and it turns if you have one of the is it like a specific R two D two? I don't know what they've done with the firmware, but I think there's a specific R two D two, a specific BB eight, and the new droid, the little evil BB-8, whatever the hell his name is, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. they react to the movies now. And so we had R2-D2 with us Like the in little the room. robot ones that you can get. That's yeah. That's funny. And he reacted to the movie, and like when the Death Star first showed up, he was like, wow! And it was <laughs> great. Everything about it was, it was so, so cute. cute. We were like... <gasps> Every time a character showed up, he'd be like, wee wee. <laughs> it was like, oh! I imagine that would be on. interesting the first time and then get very annoying. No, but he, well, he doesn't do good. it all the time. Like, there's very key moments when there's, like, nothing happening on the screen where he'll do something, so it doesn't, like, interfere with the movie. But, like... Is it just the audio that it's picking up on, and then... I have no, I have no clue assume how so. it works. I Not assume... Sure. Like, because he'll, like, move his little head and, like, look around if something crazy is happening on the screen, or, like, little colors in his, his head <laughs> will blink. And, yeah. um... Um, Aurelian made sure that he was like pointing at the TV, sure. and I don't know if that's something that you have to do is like point them facing the TV. Well, but... what is what does the robot do? Does it like respond to visual cues or audio? It's we just don't... by oh. default. Uh, no, it responds to we... like all of it. Okay. Well, here's the thing though, right? Because we were talking about this later, is that he reacted to Vader before Vader actually showed yeah. up. Yeah. Well, what uh... happened? Because it's that scene where. All the guys, you know, the good scene. Everyone's like, like, oh, we gotta get out of here. And it shows the image of the dark hallway. And before the lightsaber ignites, R2's like, wah, wah, and it goes, <laughs> and we were like, oh, R2 knew what was up. And so, like, 
I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what it reacts to. But like, I was like, that's the kind of technology I fucking want. It's almost that's certainly useful. audio cues. It's so. novel. I, 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 that, that's, that'd be funny to experience. It was really cute. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about it like the whole time we were there. We were like, remember how cute R2 is? <laughs> we were messing around with the Rift Tracks app the last couple of days because we decided, hey, we're going to uh, do the Twilight Marathon with Rift Tracks. And we've watched nice. the first two. And it, Amazing. They are the only, it's the only way you can possibly watch those movies. Like, it is mm. very... all the time in the world, TV. Oh God. All the time in the world. It's so, so that's so bad. But and we and we also <laughs> decided to watch uh, Titanic for some reason with that. And like, I'm sorry, Rift Tracks can't save that movie. That movie's three hours fifteen <laughs> minutes. That is too fucking long for anything. But their new their app on iOS now syncs everything up for you. So before you had to download their MP3. And they had like a sync up thing where it's like three, two, one. Now hit the thing, and then they have a line like every ten minutes throughout the movie to make sure you know how to sync. Uh, but the app uh, just does full audio recognition regardless of where you are in the movie. So like we resumed halfway through, and the app picked it up in about twenty seconds and synced it right back up again. Oh my god, so, that's so convenient. Yeah, it ma- it definitely makes them very playable. It's especially important now that everything's on Netflix and it's not just a DVD right. player and shit. So you just um, we we just uh, airplay it on one of uh, on my wife's ipad or on the apple tv and then i use mine as like the speaker and just do it from there it's great it's ve- riff tracks is very very funny and certainly worth watching movies with again uh although just don't watch it with a movie that you thought was good and you watched <laughs> about 10 years ago because you will end up realizing it's not good as a result Aww. what uh, movie was this I, I mean episode one when i first saw it you know, was at least a little bit enjoyable, but even watching it back with the riff tracks is like, this is actually the worst movie that exists, isn't it? Uh, this is really look, terrible. No one can ever ruin the pod racing scenes in that movie. For oh, me. they can. Uh, they no. totally can. Trust no. me. They no. definitely <laughs> did. Uh, but yeah, I, I, we've, we've been going through a lot of those. I'm not sure if it's still free right now, but the second Twilight's riff tracks right now is currently free on the app. So. Those are, the Twilight riff tracks are they're the Freaking best. Hilarious. They're very They're so funny. Because yeah. obviously the movies are just fucking terrible, but it leaves them a lot of space, mostly because n- nobody ever finishes a fucking sentence <laughs> to make the jokes. I... I yes. can't... Oh my god. I'm, not I, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> your it. best Twilight impression, is it? Yeah. <laughs> can't get yeah, through yeah. a sentence. Yeah. TB. Bite your lip. Bite your lower lip. Blank look, blank look. Okay. Do it. There you go. There you go. Perfect, Cousin Stewart. Excellent. And now I'm. I just want to. Vampire. Yes. Are yes, you. There we go. Yes, vampire? you can see. I'm sparkling. I'm sparkling right now. No, Very no, proud. no. Somebody, somebody had to be next to you going, say it out loud. No. <laughs> <laughs> Unicorn? Also, my conclusion after that second movie is. You're all fucking idiots, and Jacob is the only sensible person in this movie, and you should all go fuck off and die. And leave oh, Jacob oh, alone, because you're making him horribly miserable. Child. Yeah, then no, Jacob oh, heard about that shit. Really yeah, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Jacob's about as sensible as any it's person so who would fall in love with a baby. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know. It's so fucking terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're right. No, yeah. Yep, he's, he's the one. He's the one. He's so hey, smart. Hey, I said from the, the very start, I was Team Tyler's van. Like, I wish that Tyler had run over Bella in the first movie, 
and oh, just and nothing had ever happened. Oh, God, oh what a dead. shame. What a shame. Oh, God. Well, it's a co-optional podcast. We do occasionally <laughs> talk about video games and Rift Tracks, which is awesome. Check out rifttracks.com. And if they do uh, Rift Tracks at your cinema, because they're doing a lot more in movie theaters nationwide go watch it oh it's so good we got to see starship troopers with a cinema full of people and it was a great experience because everyone was just laughing their asses off it was really good uh so yeah definitely keep an eye out for that and uh also amazon prime which of course you can use your twitch prime sub to get uh, free subscriptions to anybody in this room mm. has a few of their b movies automatically synced up that you can watch for free so like what? you want to watch some really bad b movies with rift tracks it's right there for free so go do it amazing yeah, you yawn definitely emphasized how amazing oh, you God, thought it was. Oh, God, it sounds so good. Oh, I'm so excited. Wow. <laughs> All right, well, oh, if you're going to be like that, you can start us off. What, oh, what really God. exciting things have you been playing this week, Dodger? Um, I played that game Little Kite that uh, we talked about when we were doing the release list, I think either Ooh. last week or the week before. Okay. Yeah, um, that luck. game is fucking depressing. <laughs> Mm, yeah. right that okay. is an extremely depressing game um it i i was trying to put this into words when i finished it yesterday but like the way that it did puzzles so because it's a point and click right yeah. it's a point and click with like puzzle elements to it and the way that it the way that it tried to put the puzzle elements into the game didn't always make sense there were so many moments where something really bad was happening and all of my viewers and i were like why the fuck are we stopping to do this puzzle like this doesn't make any <laughs> sense like that kind of a thing there's so many um, games that do that but this does not well, seem like the kind of game the way that would be acceptable this is definitely yeah. a game where i was like this could make for a good like i like the way this looks it looks beautiful but like the description literally was enough for me to be like, okay, well, I'm going to pass on this one because like, I don't, yeah. as, what, very what's that TLDR game. for the uh, story? Um, the story is about, uh, I believe it takes place in Ukraine and it's about um, a mother and a son and the dad dies. Um, you find out how he dies in the game, but um, they've now like, there's a new man in their life and he's uh, basically a very abusive drunk. Oh, nice. Um, so it's about like the mom and the son. It's like, it's the, the description I think is something like a terrible day in their life or something like that. And so yeah. it's just like when a lot of that all comes to a head basically. Um, mm. And the son, when you play as the son, he kind of like, he, he kind of takes himself into another world to not, be there you know oh what was um there was another game like that several years back it was about a similar thing with someone with a rough childhood it was really cartoony it was a platformer i don't know if any of you remember Ooh. i can't think uh, of it i'm not sure yeah uh, whatever anyways but, yeah okay but but the um the story anyway, was tough to kind of stomach was, through yeah it was a yeah. it was a very depressing <clears throat> game the art in it is gorgeous um right. it was a very depressing game it was a short game um, and I didn't, I didn't always feel like the puzzles made sense in terms of like, cause they obviously were trying very hard to establish like a tone. Right. right. And the tone would be ruined by, well, you got to do all of this garbage in order to like move on to the next part of this game. It right? seemed like and the shoe it, it in a bit. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
there wasn't like moon logic really or anything like that. It just it just felt like why am I doing all of this tedious shit when something really serious is happening right now? You yeah. know, so it's not the time uh, for a puzzle, boy. Call the police. It's not the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so was the game you, pa- yeah, Neo. Yeah, yeah, I remember Papo Neo. I played that a good few oh, years ago. Papo I did, I liked Papo Neo. It was good. That 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 hit me right in the feels. That oh was, uh, yeah, and it just an experience. It also helped that it was a very good puzzle platformer off the yeah. back of that as well. Oh yeah. I don't usually like that genre, but I thought Papo Neo was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um. Cool. You played anything right- that wasn't horribly depressing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right after that I played The Witch's Isle, which is another game that we saw during the releases. Um You and... telling me that wasn't depressing? No, it was awesome. Okay. I actually really, really liked this game. Um I played it I played it long enough to get like the true ending of the game. And um the concept of it is that you are living on an island and the island is ruled by a witch. And you wake up one night and she tells you that an item of hers has been stolen and that if you don't get it back to her by 4 a.m. the next day, um, Mm. you'll die. So she like curses you. Um, But what's interesting about the game is that you, you go around and you meet all of the villagers, right? Every single villager is, is like an achievement kind of in the game. It's like, Oh, you met this person. Oh, you met this person. And the reason why it's so important is because you can, with each person that you meet, you can see the island through their eyes. So you can like, if there's a house you can't get into or something, you can see through their eyes as they go into that house and you can like mm-hmm. figure things out that way. Um, the more that you talk with the people, you you learn like the lore of the island and why some people love the witch and some people hate the witch. And like, you need to talk to people, of course, to find this item that she's looking for. Um, but the longer that you play, the more things that you uncover. So like finding the urn isn't enough because the longer that you talk with people, the more you realize like, I might be able to figure out what's going on with this island and save everyone. Cause like everybody's cursed. Nobody has a name. Nobody can remember anything. Any person who comes to the island forgets who they are. So like the whole island is fucked up. So it winds up becoming more than just saving yourself. It's, uh, it's about saving the entire island. Um, and it wound up being, I thought it was super cool for the price. It's like what, two ninety nine or something. And I got so much out of this game. Um, yeah, it's two ninety nine. It's a, it's a great game for two ninety nine. I think it's also available on iOS for those who want to play it. On oh, the Hey, well, there you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. thought that game was great. All right. So. This will be something that Force is only interested in. I finally, finally got around to playing some PUBG. I, yeah, I'm, why didn't you invite uh, me, by the way? I'm You weren't around hurt. at the time, man. I, <laughs> I, I, like, I just happened to have a spare, like, 30 minutes. I thought, let's see what all the fuss is about. So I played, like, uh, like round or two solo, and I was like, oh, that's all right. You know, I'm not massively enamored by it. It was okay. And then I saw uh, Northern Lion was playing with his wife and mm. Crendor and Gmart were in. I'm like, do you have room for a fifth? Because they'll be doing custom squads with their subs. I thought, hey, this will be, be a good environment to just mess around in because you know people will be relatively pleasant and there won't be any assholes and stuff like that um and you know it was a lot of not doing much i have to admit like the five of us landed as a squad and we were driving around and we drove around for maybe 20 minutes losing houses you played with northern lion so there's your first mistake yeah (laughs) damn 
<laughs> you know, it was it was mostly this argue with Northern Lion not to run out ahead and it's like, oh, you stop that and stop abandoning the goddamn Jeep. We're getting in the car or we're turning this car around and we're not going to Disney World. But, it, you know, there were some pretty cool parts of it. And I think, you know, I'm starting to get the idea of why some people are very big into it and mm -hmm. why I don't think I'm going to be big into it. I think it these... um there's a very sort of calm before the storm approach where you have a very calm element of the game where you're just looting houses, you're being careful, but, you know, it's relatively peaceful. And then these sudden high action moments kind of out of nowhere and you know, the calm being punctuated by these really quick kill or be killed moments with high tension and high stakes. And then, of course, all building towards the big battle at the end for everyone mm -hmm. that's left. And I can see why some people would like that. Uh, the problem that yes. I've got with it <laughs> is that I, I view those, um, the, the calm before the storm parts as just boring. Like, uh -huh. the game has a lot of downtime. And most people, when I mentioned this, the first thing they said, well, drop into the school or drop into the military base. It's a high action area to start you off. And my reply to that is, yeah, you can do that. But one of a couple of things is going to happen. One, you get shot in the face 30 seconds into the game and that's it for you. Second, you you know you survive and you get a couple of kills and maybe you clear out the area, but then it's the same as what it was previously because it's wherever the blue area is that you have to go to. So you're still going to get that downtime. And three, it doesn't seem like you get any advantage from dropping into those areas. Like there, there's a reason why the meta is that people hit sort of the outskirts because they have a higher chance of gearing up to the gear level that you need without getting shot in the head. Mm -hmm. So you can choose the path of higher resistance for a bit more action, and I think I probably will when I play more solo, but I don't think that solves the pacing problem of the game. Like, mm. Because of what I imagine, I imagine myself playing a game like this that has like a hard round timer of 15 minutes and the map is a lot smaller. And just like at the 15 minute mark, that's when the final showdown is and anyone that's left, you know, you get geared up. And it's all sort of a just taking that almost hours worth of gameplay where a lot of it is downtime and compressing it down to 15 minutes of mm. action i would be very into that and i think they'll probably be either if PUBG doesn't make a speed round mode like that which i think they probably will because they've got definitely enough player base to make more queues right like their player base mm. is massive yeah. or another company is going to see that hole in the market and they're going to go there because we've seen it before you know here is the store they were so fucking close please. oh god they if you they release so that as a standalone close. If they'd released that as a standalone, that would have been so good. You know, mm -hmm. Jesse uh, plays a lot of Heroes of the Storm, and I, I play some of it as well. And Heroes of the Storm matches are generally a lot shorter. And I like that a lot because... Really? Unless you're playing that... Not always. Uh, stupid cannons. F that. Cannon. Yeah, there are some <laughs> maps that don't, but mostly they're conducive to 15 or so minute games. Tooth and Tail that we've been playing recently. Every, I've been playing with a bunch of StarCraft players. I taught Nathanius how to play last night, and holy shit... They're all really getting into it. It's like, wow, I get the RTS experience in a really compact, short match. And if mm -hmm. I lose, I'm not so concerned because I am just immediately willing to requeue and try again. With PUBG, I find myself less willing to drop in again after a loss, especially a long game, because I'm like, oh, that was 40 minutes of that. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really willing to maybe commit to another 40. Mm. Same reason kind of why I don't play Dota anymore. So that's my, you know, it's a very subjective concern with it. And it, it, I don't hate the game at all. It's definitely got some really cool moments and 
The gun sounds are super good. The car sounds are derpy as shit. Holy fuck. They sound really bad. But the gun sounds are really good. The way the guns handle is really Volume enjoyable. Volume balance is a little bit messy in that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. For the car and the plane and uh, rain, yeah. especially. There's a good amount of variety in loot. I like that too. But the pacing is off for my personal tastes. So I, I was trying to figure out what it was about PUBG that kind of... Not a lot of games hit home for me, and PUBG was definitely one that has. And even now, even after taking like a couple week break, and I went back yesterday and I played with uh, with um, Benji and Crendor again, and I immediately was sucked right back in. I was like, I can't wait to keep playing more. Mm-hmm. I think something that they do that isn't replicated a lot in multiplayer games is that every match is different. And I know it's like a very cliche term that gets used often. Like every match is different, but really in PUBG it's 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 highlighted so much more compared to most other multiplayer games that are a relatively like how you actually play and your strategy is pretty straightforward in most shooters a fairly defined you, you, meta you know csgo yeah, it, has a meta and rainbow six has a meta right. depending on map, but it's also very like moment to moment you're generally on a relatively small map with the exception of a game like um you know planet side 2 or the yeah. battlefield games or whatever yeah. and you're generally doing the same thing you're running around shooting but in in pubg you're not not shooting in pubg but you can play the game in so many different ways like dropping in to high population areas and the reason they're high population areas just for your knowledge if you didn't know is you actually do get an advantage by going to those places because the different towns are seeded with different dice roll opportunities for high tier gear. Yeah. So if you if if you're watching this and you don't play Battlegrounds, it's a mix between like a loot game and a third person or first person shooter. Whereas Definitely there's tiers better of first person mode, by the way. Fuck third person. Yeah. Being able to see <laughs> see behind corners like that. No, in first person, it's a very immersive, very cool game. I play exclusively yeah. first person. I've I've enjoyed that uh, that mode since it was added as well. Um, but like there's tiers of gear and like a level three vest and helmet is significantly better than a level one or two vest and helmet. And those have a higher chance to drop in certain areas. There, there's the school, the military base, there's Georgia Pole, there's places. And that's why those are high population areas. So the idea is more people drop there, but it's obviously more dangerous as well because of that. But I, I think the RNG aspect, which people argue against in competitive games, but it it might make it less like cutting edge competitive, but it also makes it more interesting, I think. And I, I think agree. that's why this game has exploded. Um, and then you add the 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 dice roll of the the confined play area with the circle, which changes from game to game. Yeah. Sometimes you get a great circle and you're in a perfect position in a little nook on top of a hill and you got a great line of sight. Other times the circle's all the fucking way across an open field and you're running like through the firing yeah. squad to get there. So I think like all those elements with the circle, choosing if you want to play and have a lot of action early on, or if you just want to camp and sit on the edge of the map all game, hope you make your way to top 10 and then get one or two kills and win. Like, because the game rewards both play styles in a sense, I, I just think that's why, that's part of the reason why it's become so popular. Because the, the, the gameplay isn't like, absolutely amazing the animations are certainly not absolutely amazing. oh god they need some work yeah <laughs> and they're working on it because they're making plenty of money now and they're adding new mechanics like vaulting and and mantling I i'll think be glad when that comes in oh, i got yeah. stuck on a white picket fence the last game i played right. like, fuck's sake how can i not get over this i just love mantling in, in games too i think it adds a lot to it but um i don't know i think those elements the rng 
obviously there's the skill-based nature they struck a balance between more casual and more like armor realistic style shooting i mean i I mean their success speaks for itself i guess i guess i was just trying to i really wanted to figure out why and i think that's i think that's what it is it's because every game is quite a different experience so yeah i think that random element Mm -hmm. uh makes everyone feel like they've all got a shot and they're right they kind of do you know you you may get lucky right off the bat and get some really good gear, and that's very much going to affect your ability to win and be effective. And I do like the fact that you often end up with a new gun with different attachments every time, and you have to adapt to what that is, or mm-hmm. you may go searching for your favorite. And the more stuff they add in, the better that's going to get. You know, Add in 60, 70 different guns. Add in 100 they, guns. Add in 200 been, fucking guns. Yeah, they've do been it. adding guns on a fairly yeah. regular uh, More interval, the fucking so. better. I don't care if they're all minor changes, like because everyone's got their favorite, right? And it's always super exciting to get something new every time. So go crazy on the Arsenal. And I'm less concerned about the competitive side. I hope they don't compromise the game for that. But I think they can very easily make a competitive mode where that stuff is balanced and it won't be a problem. And the rest of us can just fucking ignore that mode completely. Yeah. There are enough players for all of that. I think PUBG aside, I know a lot of like people roll their eyes whenever a game becomes successful like this and, and complain about the inevitable clones. But I frankly... I'm thrilled to see what especially AAA developers come up with. I know you you played a bit of the Division Survival with I did, TV. And it was good. And and that game that was very close. If they had changed a few things, sometimes I wish I could be on design teams or something. If they had changed just a few things, that that could have knocked it out of the park if they released it as a standalone if I had a bigger player base. God, that would have if they so made much. it so the only one person could extract and they had the they have the mechanic in game. It's a fucking blizzard in the middle of New York have the circle mechanic of an encroaching death storm yes. to force combat. Like, just a few things that would have been really good. But more stuff's coming out. We already see Fortnite fucking battlegrounds. Like- I, hey, what do I've heard <laughs> from people? Game. I know, um, apparently, you know, we, we got the announcement of, you know, the DRS, the Battle Royale, and uh, all that kind of thing. <laughs> Devolver was trolling on that I one, I believe. It. I can't remember. I play it. Uh, yeah. But... Oh yeah, they made a. I just said a, there was a, they had to cancel the Hatful Boyfriend Battle Royale mode. Um, oh my god, I, that tweet was so good. It was good shit. Uh, but That's I mean, funny. what I've heard from people who have played the Fortnite mode is it's pretty good. But the thing is, mm. I'm not willing to play Fortnite right now because it's a goddamn mess and it's way it's way undercooked. You know, it was the second game I played this week that was way undercooked, and that was uh, the Smite Tactics game. They're calling it Hand of the Gods now. Yeah. It was, oh God, it hit early X something. Oh, well, that means, because it was in beta before, that means it's probably more ready for release. I could not have been more wrong. It is completely underbaked. Well, it's they, they've not going to be been, ready for months. They've been working on that close. game for a while, right? They keep being like, oh, yeah, we're going to re- release it around this time. And then they can't just get it right. So they keep pushing it. This is, sm- this is Smite the high res IP. Yes, it, they use game? yeah, okay. and it's it's a ta- it's collectible tactics game, and the gameplay pretty good. Like it's quite different to the other tactics games on the market. It's not quite the same as Duelist. It's definitely not the same as Faria, and it's kind of up my alley. But everything about it, half the art is still placeholder. The deck builder is a fucking nightmare to use. If you want to open packs, it takes forever. Do you? You can't skip anything. It's and so I just like I, I streamed it for an hour. I'm like, you know what? I'm coming back in like six months. Like mm. I, when their deck builder is where it needs to be, when all their placeholder art is sorted out, when their pack opening animations don't take half of my life to watch, 
when you've got all those little nice quality of life features in that make this worth my time, because I could just go play Faria right now, which is in a way better state than your game is. So I'm not going to waste time with you there. Um, oh, uh, one last note, I guess, bef uh, before we move on from sure, Battlegrounds, yeah. is I think a another reason, uh, it kind of spins off of what I said earlier, I think another reason this game has become so successful so quickly um, is because it caters to very different play styles. Again, like I mentioned, you can drop in hot and play it like a fast-paced shooter. You can play it like Counter-Strike, just drop in, try to pop headshots left and right. Or you can just play it like a loot game and camp. And that's a big spectrum. Whereas, again, a lot of other shooters, the play style is fairly linear. My way or the highway. Yeah, you know, so... There's I, also I the aspect that a lot of people get kind of scared to queue up for these team-based shooters because they're afraid they'll do it wrong and people will get mad at them. With PUBG, especially since it's primarily, you know, a lot of people play solo, mm -hmm. you got that element isn't there. Like, if yeah. you want, and this is the first thing I did, turned voice chat off and just went in solo and had a pretty good time. Uh, uh, you're missing out on some quality conversations in the plane team. And I'm very happy <laughs> to miss out on that. If I, if I want to talk to people, I'll play as part of a squad with people I actually yeah. want to speak to. I'm not going to play with them. I know that there was a, there's an element of, like, role play that some people like to get into, and that's cool, but I, I don't care about that shit. So you're right. There is a lot of flexibility in the way you can play. And, you know, when I go back to it, I will probably start playing more aggressively, and I'll probably enjoy it a little bit better. I don't think but, it's going to take over my life in terms of games I'm playing, but it is a good time. Yeah, let, let's play. We'll go to school together. It'll be fun. Indeed. <laughs> we'll go and slap some people with a frying pan. That's yeah. the way to go. I do think it's interesting, because when I play by myself... I'm very, I'm very much like, I'm just going to hang and go from house to house and pick up the stuff I need and yeah. chill. And then once it gets crazy, I'll like get into crazy mode. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but if I'm playing with a group, every single group that I play with is totally different. Some people have no plan at all. Some people are like, all right, we need to chase where people are so that we can kill people faster. Mm -hmm. Other people are like, all right, we need to go in the opposite direction of people so that we can get better loot faster. You know, it's it's interesting how every single time I play with a group of people, it's completely different. This like the tactics and what they want to do. Mm. It's also yeah, exciting because right. we have like a new, we almost have like a new genre emerging and this doesn't happen often. You mm -hmm. had the Minecraft and then the Minecraft clones. You had uh, um, Dota and then all of the MOBAs that came after that. Like the the Battle Royale. I, I know it's been done in iterations before, but this yes. specific way it's uh, put together is kind of a new thing, and that's exciting. So What yeah. amazes me is how many before it have kind of fucked up. Like the, yeah. cu the culling devs have got to be kicking themselves. They had it. They had the next Battle Royale game. They had a massive player base, and then they fucked it up so badly that they killed their whole player base almost overnight. Like, so this, you know, the culling stats, they had a 12,000 concurrent all-time peak. At the start, for the first couple of weeks of the game, that game was doing gangbusters for a small indie team. They then made a change which tanked the whole player base Everybody hated it and have never come back. Currently, there are 17 people playing it. So they missed out on that entirely. But what's interesting yeah. under all of this is that as much as people try to keep mocking it, H1Z1 King of the Kill continues to pop in and out of the top 10 a lot. Mm. Right now, it isn't. Uh, but I think it's because the Chinese are quite into it. Currently, there's 35,000 people playing King of the Kill. Regularly, the peak of 24 hours is 57,000 to 60,000. 
that's still a shit ton of people. That, put, that puts you in the top five of Steam. So H1Z1 is definitely not dead. It's obviously doing something right. Uh, the question is, you know, I don't think they're going to ever pull that back, but it is good to have at least a competitor of some sort to yeah. PUBG that has a big player base so that if PUBG fucks up badly, then people can have something to migrate back to. So I do want to see more Battlegrounds games. Like I said, if someone could make a good Battlegrounds game that is basically a 15-minute game, smaller map, I would be definitely into it. And maybe a different kind of theme. We had that idea mm. about uh, the Pokemon Battle Royale game, where you start off as a Pokemon trainer with no Pokemon, and you've got to go catch the Pokemon, and then you fight the other trainers on the map. Like, there's so right. many opportunities for that. There is, there's quite a few. Uh, I think uh, Warhammer 40,000 Necromunda would be a really good setting for one. Oh, Mordheim. Yeah, any, any fantasy Battle Royale would yeah, be awesome. Yeah, fantasy Battle like Royale, Knights yeah. and Wizards and yeah, shit. Yeah, we definitely would... don't have that yet. That would be really good. Some people suggested Star Wars, but for me, that doesn't really make sense. Like, the, the thing about a Battle Royale is you've got to progress from one part, you know, from I got nothing other than the shirt on my back to I am a fucking juggernaut with lots of weapons. The question is, can you do that within a Star Wars theme and make it logically sensible? Because uh, if you can't, I think that most people are just kind of wasting their time. Mm. We'll see, though. There'll definitely be more Battle Royale games. There's no question yeah. about that. I, this genre's I'm, not going anywhere. I'm excited anywhere. for that, for sure. Like, I, I want, I, and I want to see what big big dev teams do because you get that extra level of polish, you know, and just in animations and gunplay a lot of times. So, oh, you were talking about player base by the, uh, earlier um, with the culling. Speaking of player base, what the fuck happened with Lawbreakers? Like, I just heard the other day that oh, they have, God. like, 20 concurrent players or something. We we talked about this a couple of times as to what the hell happened with Lawbreakers, but our conclusion just seems to be they released a $30 shooter in a very saturated market on PC, and they didn't market it properly, and it just, what they were offering, didn't take. And I yeah. continue to insist that a lot of the reason is down to very pure, poor tutorials, meaning that people didn't understand the main key mechanics of the game. So they ended up not enjoying it. And that is entirely Lawbreakers' fault. It's too bad. Um, yeah, I think, like, the, the online bashing of it is excessive, and I feel sorry for Cliffy B. You know, he did a recent interview. It's like, this game is my baby. I have to save it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, these guys worked really hard on it, and there's some really good parts of Lawbreakers, but you got to swallow your pride. you got to free to play that shit right now, and you've got to really change your thinking when it comes to teaching people how to play it. That was, that, that was Boss Key's first release, wasn't it? Yeah. They made Boss Key just for that game, and then... Yep. A good showing. It's too bad. All right. Jesse, what have you been playing? Yo, thank God. Boy, do I not care about PUBG. Okay. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Is Crendor been harassing you to play it? Because I know he's been harassing me for no. weeks on PUBG. No, because he knows I will not play that. He knows okay. Jesse will never, ever play it. I give a fuck about that game. All right. Um, uh, God. Uh, first off, uh, the Dishonor 2 DLC dropped. Yes, it did. Yep. Uh, Death of an Death outsider. outsider. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna say, I think maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the the way they develop games, but this DLC had or expansion or whatever you want to call it, standalone. Expand alone. I think they're calling it. Had the exact same storytelling mentality of the first expansion for Witcher 3, uh, Hearts of Stone, where it was like story first, then uh, uh, maybe a few new things, but we're going to tell you a solid story. And so that's what this is. It's um, They're reusing levels from Dishonored 2. 
Uh, they feel a little bit more dense, and it can be both good and bad, uh, depending on how you like to play. But for some reason, the way they've designed Rosario Dawson, a.k.a. Billy Lurk, is um, her abilities are more sneaking and planning-based rather than running in and murdering people. And so it feels like it's more catered towards me and not everyone else who plays this game, apparently, because because I don't know how you would play it as Rosario Dawson. But anyway, um, you don't have an underpowered, like, you know, in all these games, you start out, like, underpowered, and then, like, you have to get your abilities. That doesn't happen. You start out with everything. You can tweak the abilities you have. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, it's about planning, where you have abilities to, like, see the pathing of enemies, and you can access almost every part of a level. Um your mana bar fills automatically, so you don't need potion like like vials and shit to to fill yourself back up. And um, yeah, it, it, I, truthfully, I think the story is better than both Dishonored Two and Dishonored One. Really? Like it's story heavy. With that said, it's about half the time of Dishonored Two, so maybe eight hours total if you do every exploration. If wow, you really? if, if you do um. Just go through the game. I imagine it'll be four, maybe four hours. My if impression you everything, it's maybe eight. My impression seems to be that it's like comparable to Burial at Sea for Bioshock. Would you say that that's accurate? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's very. It, it like fits exactly what I want in a game where it tells a solid story and has gameplay that doesn't try to like fucking change too much and is in a world that I'm familiar with. So I'm like, ah, I know what this and this and this is. And it's uh, it, it's definitely a good send-off to the franchise if they don't make another, because I know Dishonored 2 didn't do too well. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope we get more, but I think this might be it. So, so far, so good. I'm, I'm really impressed with the fact that they've... Everything is, like, slimmed down. Billy only has three abilities maybe yes. four i haven't beaten it yet so i don't know but three abilities you can tweak and change them but you don't have a lot to work with you um there are only three main characters in this story billy dowd and the outsider and there's like all the levels are being reused but they're reused in a way that's like um uh you know, new pathing, and there's more stuff there now, and and you have to be a little more clever about how you get through things. But everything is very, it's a very sleek version of Dishonored 2 for what it was. There was a lot of fluff and a lot of garbage that, like, was not needed. And right. um, at the end of the day, when you beat it, you were like, well, that didn't explain shit in the story. Mm. Like, they had so much to work with, and it didn't give us anything new. Like, it was like, oh, well... We're going to reuse a character from the last DLC, for, which I will say, going back to Dishonored 1, the uh, DLC for Dishonored 1 were great. Those were fantastic stories. So yes, I, yeah, think, they were. I think they've nailed this, this. This expansion, standalone, is definitely worth playing if you are a fan of the franchise, but you were like, mm, I don't know. I mean, even if you're not a fan of the franchise, literally, it's, you get to like hang out with a badass, one-eyed Rosario Dawson and... Uh, Oh my God! Who's the guy who plays Dowd? I can't remember his name. Uh, Michael Madsen, I think. Whatever. I was about to ask you that question. Uh, if, let's say someone's never played Dishonored Two. What would you suggest picking? Playing this one first or Dishonored Two first? Real talk. This is my this is my biggest problem with Dishonored Two. Dishonored One 
is a solid story that yes. gives you like, oh my God, I can't wait to see what's going on with the rest of the world. And then the expansions are about Dowd, who's sort of the like villain in the first one and about his storyline, about how like what his motivations were. And then you're introduced to this character who's like this evil witch. Literally Dishonored 2 is, oh, we brought the evil witch back for some fucking reason, even though you defeated her. Mm. And uh, the story is about beating her again. And it's like, well, that's not new. None of it's <laughs> feels very so literally you can skip Dishonored 2 and you won't have to give a fuck like Dishonored 2 doesn't matter in con contextually when dealing with um the 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 death of the outsider because literally you've met Dowd and you met Billy from Dishonored 1 and this is their vent like they're like there's only one person who caused all this trouble in the world that's the fucking outsider and we gotta go kill this son of a bitch and right. the only thing you need to know is in Dishonored 2 they introduced the the possibility that Perhaps there's a cult associated with like a physical being that is the outsider. And so Makes like sense. that's it. Yeah. And and everything else about that's my problem with Dishonor 2. Literally nothing fucking happens. It's a non-story. It's like we've got to go defeat this woman who took the crown from my daughter and or me. And then that's it. It's like a non-story. And it's so infuriating because nothing like there is no momentum forward. It's like, well, right. we've moved a few steps back and now we're back to where we were at the end of Dishonored. Uh, one, except we're now like 10, 20 years later. It's stupid. Uh, that seems like the kind of thing I'd be okay with. I'm not like massively concerned about the ending of stories. Like I, I prefer world building and how cool the world feels to me and how enjoyable characters are. So I may, because I still haven't got around to Dishonored 2. It definitely sounds like Dishonored 2 gives you more flexibility in what you can do with your character. And if you don't like the play style of this character in Death of the Outsider, you might have a bad time. Uh, but I would have to play it to determine whether or not I'm okay with that play style, whether it's my kind of thing. Well, also because you're playing as Billy, and Billy is a character who gets her powers from doubt. So you don't have the powers of like someone with the mark of the outsider, like in Dishonored 1 or the Dishonored DLC or Dishonored 2. You're not a, like a main character. You're playing as the side character from the series. Like this, this character who's always just like, I'm on your team, Dowd and or Corvo or Emily. Like, she's just there. So you're playing. Well, I think that's kind of cool. So you're, basically, this is the, you're playing as the nurse from all the Marvel uh, Netflix. Right, I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of interesting. Her, her powers aren't main powers, but she has enough to like, I'm going to fuck people up. I think that's pretty cool. And also because in Dishonored 2, Billy, the Billy of Dishonored 2 is a lot different from the Billy of Dishonored 1, like physically. And there's a reason for that without any spoilers, but you can change all that because there's a, the, the infamous time travel mechanic in Dishonored 2. Um, this game, nothing's changed, but what they've done is they've added like weird uh, like temporal ripples and stuff where it's like something's wrong with this world. Like it's not supposed to be the real, like it's, it's interesting. There's a lot going on here. And because it's so story heavy, I feel like there's a lot of room for them to, again, Dishonored is a series set up a world where there is a fucking continent that exists way off in the distance that they've sent people to go to and everyone has come back has come back crazy or dead. It is the biggest, like, what the fuck is happening over there? We'll never see that shit. It exists only to entice you to a thing you'll never get. Nice. It's infuriating. It's infuriating. Dishonored. <laughs> um. Jesse and Sam and Krender and I all played 
Divinity Original Sin 2. Ah, yes, the well. big kahuna. People have been loving this one. Those, the concurrent player bases on Steam for this are insanely large. Lots of good reviews, too. Like, I've yeah. been, people across heard the that, board. Yeah. Well, we, I think all of us loved the the first Divinity Original yeah. Sin. Yeah, the amount of time it got with it, which wasn't as much as I would have liked. <laughs> Sam and I so played long. it a ton when we were long distance. It was like the game that we would play because mm. it was so easy to play it like local or um yeah. and so uh yeah the the second one is super fun at launch they um they had added in because when we played the beta together they had like these cool like lizard people that weren't in the original <clears throat> and they added in another one um with launch which was the undead and you can be an undead version of any of the other races Mm -hmm. um the undead are are super cool they um they steal because no one can ever see your face so you're you're basically warned when you choose undead to play the game warns you like you can't let normal people see that you're undead because they'll, they'll fucking freak you. out yeah. yeah so um you get within in like the first story arc you get what's called a face ripper and you can take the face of any dead person. Are you saying and... you can take the face off? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I already love it. And apply the face to yourself. Yeah. Yes. Game of Thrones shit. <laughs> oh so, God, I love that already. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you either you either have to rip faces and put them on you, or you have to always wear like hoods and things. Those work too. Um, you just can never be showing bone because you're literally a skeleton. So you always have to be wearing like full armor, full everything to make sure then, that you're uh, hiding yourself. It, it has reverse healing, so poison heals you. Yeah. Oh, and that's cool. You, like food, you can't eat food. You have to eat poison food or like old wow. food. And uh, the enemies of the game, if they have the ability to heal or have items that heal, We'll try to heal you. They'll heal you. Huh. The AI is really yeah. smart with that. Yeah. God, I love um, games that do shit like that. That's uh, cool. was, yeah. I remember Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, where if you played the Nosferatu, you literally just couldn't be seen. Like you had the, the whole game was completely different because you had to spend most of your time in the sewers and using invisibility powers to get around. So it was like a whole different game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, cool. it's it, it was super cool. We were in some fights where we were like, whoa, did they like purposefully do that? Where they would um like something, somebody that we were fighting would walk out of range of the undead and then throw poison to like right. just hit the people who weren't undead. And we were like, did it do that on purpose? That's so smart. Um, and then the other thing undead can do is they can pick locks with their fingers. So. <laughs> oh, um, no, that's neat. I'm going to play an yeah. undead. I'm going to roll yeah. an undead. That sounds great. Yeah, do it. It's super fun. One of the, uh, because they have like, Either you can make your own character and do whatever, or you can start with a base like Origin, which is like a character that comes with a story, comes with a voice, comes with like motivations already planned out. Um, so I played the like undead Origin because they have one, they have one already like pre-made character that's undead and it was pretty fun. So is, yeah. is there any big um, systems or like mechanics difference between this and the first game? Like any, um, any, did they introduce like a new like gem system or like anything along those lines that you recall? Not that I can no. think of. I think no, it's I still mean, the base, turn-based tactics, right? Mm-hmm. 
yeah there's the the one thing that i think they really uh like they really focus on this time was making it so uh there's multiple like before there was a few ways you could do things this time there's lots of ways to do things mm-hmm. like yeah. they've really hit that home the, the literally the first area of the objective is get off the island we found four ways four? at least four ways i was gonna say four yeah uh, but but i know there's more like there's numerous numerous ways to just do this main objective plus all these other things yeah that you can do um one of my favorite quests and i think this is like hands down this is not a spoilery thing at all but this is like you are sent by this one guy he's like yeah someone stole my damn drugs and if i don't get my drugs back i'm gonna kill some people and um you go around and like if you have the ability to talk to animals a dog will be like it smells like oranges like all <laughs> these but eventually you'll just be walking on the beach and be like do i smell oranges and then there's like a lizard passed out on the sand and he smells of oranges and there's <laughs> at least six ways that you can finish the quest just by interacting with this lizard and mm-hmm. depending on your race and your class and all these different things, there's multiple ways just to resolve the fact that this lizard is high as a kite off of <laughs> drugs smuggled in oranges. I'm it, sorry. It's so cool. It's one little quest, but there's so much you can do. I love it. I think it's yeah. great. I know it's like, silly. I just found that really funny. Like drugs <laughs> that smell of oranges and there's a passed out lizard. It's literally, they're, literally, <laughs> they're literally drugs like inside of oranges. Yeah, because the because even with the first one, right? Like both games are set up where it's like, you can kill whoever you want. So it creates a situation where you have to be able to do things a lot of different ways, because otherwise, if you make a mistake, if you fuck up and you kill a character that was like your way of getting off the island, like the game would stop, right? Right. So there are lots of different ways that you can do things. And there's, Um, yeah, God, there's so many, like there's one, one of the, ways to get off the island is you get like a glove that can teleport you off and Crendor and I because we're scumbags got the glove and the guy's like come on follow me I'll show you how to get off the island we went with him and got down far enough to where we could get to a chest got the chest and left the guy on a cliff and we were like see ya bitch and like that was it and now we had a teleport glove for the rest of our adventures oh, yeah oh and then God. and then there was I like a, a huh the I at the very beginning I got a cat like I, on oh, the island yeah. a cat me. and i was like what do you want cat and the cat was like meow and krender like tried to talk to it and the cat was like i'm confused i don't know where i'm at and i kept the cat alive the entire time we were on the island to the point where when we got off uh into the after we escaped the main uh we didn't get off the island but after we escaped the main fort area the cat was like hey i just realized like i'm on a mission and like hey i'll be your pal and it became a summon ability of mine so i now huh. can summon the cat into battle and i was like yeah, he was like, holy shit, it attacks dudes. <laughs> we were like, yes. <laughs> There's it's so really, many little things in this game. It's great. Yeah, it's really cool when games do that. They have like like alternate, multiple ways to do something or like there'll be like a lot of secret hidden areas. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that I'm glad that there are games doing it because I know a lot of times like so, some developers don't want to do that, like have alternate endings or alternate like halfway through um, paths in the game because then what ends up happening is a lot of your player base doesn't see like 50% of the stuff that you developed but it makes yeah. the experience so much more interesting when you have all these different possibilities and like if you do another playthrough it could be completely different you know yeah and, and, it, ma- and it makes the game really fun to talk about yeah and I think like it it's just smart like 
if Jesse and I were playing this game separately, we could come to each other and have completely different stories. Like mm -hmm. the ways, the ways that the game has unfolded would be entirely different, which I think is cool. Yeah. And, and shout out to them for creating a, a DM GM mode. Like, literally, yeah, which is cool. Just get someone to create yourself like a campaign and, uh, you can do anything with it. Like the, you have the full commands of summoning and doing all sorts of shit with the game. You can, you can make monsters, you can make abilities, you can like change the world. That's super cool. And so that's another aspect of this game. that's like, okay, well you beat the main game. You could go back, play it again and do new things, or you can just get a friend to create you an entirely new game. Hmm. Or you can that's do the, there's a ranked PVP mode in it for fuck's sake. Like they didn't need <laughs> to put that in, but it's there. It's what's really cool about it. I think, these big CRPGs. We've had a revival of them lately. You know, Divinity is a good example. Wasteland 2 is another good example. Uh, Tyranny, Pillars of Eternity. And what it's showing is, look, people really like choice and options and being able to finish things multiple ways. And if you make a game in this style, it's quite easy to account for those things. But if you make a really heavily scripted, expensive game, every single one of those extra options is going to cost you a ton of dev time and it's yeah. going to make it difficult. Just go yeah. back to look at what Neverwinter Nights did. You know, that's, that has a ton of that in as well. And you were able to create a DM mode and things like that in that game too. So there's mm -hmm. obviously a big market desire for that. And this game is catering to that in lots of different ways. I am really happy it's successful. I think the first one was a great example of Kickstarter success. Pretty much yeah. every one of those CRPGs came out of Kickstarter, and they all ended up being good. Mm. Yo, and we've been on that Divinity train since like the beginning. Go back, yeah, watch the old podcast, yeah, play the first man. one, yeah, yeah. We'll I'm really happy too. Um, I guess just as a side note for those for the guys at Larian, because every time I've spoke to them, they've been super nice and friendly. They're and great. I'm, they're I'm glad that they're awesome. doing well. You know, yeah. they're cool dudes. So. They're really cool. Yeah, go watch the DM session that they did with Matt Mercer, Jesse and Dodger, and a couple of others are involved in that. That's all available on Jesse's channel, if I recall correctly. I think everyone has it, but I'd love you to watch it on mine. Hey. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So do do definitely check that out. I still haven't... Uh, Tyranny released an expansion. It's probably getting overshadowed immensely by this. I, I didn't get around to playing Tyranny, but I like the idea of it that you are the bad guys, and it's just to what degree of bad you are. And that yeah. is appealing to me. And it's not that long. It's like a 30-hour game, which is, you know, that's doable. That's a thing you could work through in about a week. Also, the beginning is super fun, where you're just like, how evil was I? Let's go back yeah. and review my <laughs> evilness. Yeah, some people didn't like the fact that your origin story is kind of done that way instead of playing it out. Oh, I, I love that. But, yeah. God, there's, there's a lot to do. I really do want to tackle Divinity. It's just such a large game. I'm not sure when I'm going to have the time to do it, but I'm definitely going to make the effort because it looks so, so good. Mm. Very cool. All right. We've got loads to talk about after the break, folks, but what we'd like to talk to you about now is our sponsor, Audible. Check out audible.com slash cynical for your free audiobook and get yourself a free trial to the largest collection of audiobooks in the world, playable on practically any device. And we'd like to share with you some recommendations for Maybe something that you might want to pick up with your free book or your subscription. Have a look. This is your this is Dodger's recommendation. That's my <laughs> name. So, Dodger, why exactly did you recommend this of all things? Um, it's an adorable young adult novel. It's called The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue, written by Mackenzie Lee. Okay. And it's about a young British lord who is known for his hedonistic tendencies and just generally being very embarrassing Whoa. to his father. Okay. And uh, he takes a year-long trip to Paris with his best friend and his younger sister. And um, 
it's supposed to just be like, uh, look, let's get it all out of our systems. And then I can become like, I can take over for my dad and know that I like lived it up. Right. And it winds up turning into this crazy, like, <laughs> like there's alchemy and there's pirates and all kinds of shit because wow. these kids okay. just keep making terrible choices that put them in swashbuckling, ridiculous danger. Um, and it's just super fun. Like, it's it's a really really fun book. So um, and what's his name? Christian. Christian Coulson. Uh, Christian yeah. Coulson. He does a really really good job of voicing it. So yeah, I recommend this book. Um, I've only listened to like some of the audio, but it makes me want to listen to the whole thing because I have read the book. So very cool. And bear in mind, for those of you that had read the book or do prefer to read along, there is of course Amazon WhisperSync, which allows you to. Sync it all up with your Kindle version, so you can have it. You, you can have it moving along at the same pace and keep track of it. Some people just find it easier to remember. I do find myself phasing out every once in a while mm -hmm. from some audiobooks as a result of that, especially if there's something else going on in the room. So that's useful. Now, in terms of something I actually picked up during one of their sales recently, is We Are Legion, We Are Bob. The Bobaverse uh -oh. Book 1. They, they've been poking me on this one for ages. They say, we really think you'll like this. I'm like, God's sake, okay, Audible, all right, I'll pick it up. And I'm kind of happy I did because it's a very fresh, original-feeling sci-fi. The whole idea is guy named Bob, well, he got run over by a truck. Sucks. Well, in this universe, if you die, you kind of become a corpsicle, and you then become property of the state. And in this case, he gets uploaded, he gets given a choice, you can control the AI of a probe that's going to be sent out to try and find new worlds, or we'll kill you, basically. So he is sent out on his own into the universe, and he gets involved in all sorts of crazy shit and, you know, giant intergalactic politics and everything. It's literally just this random guy, Bob, who is carrying the fate of the human race on his back, and he's also competing with other countries that are trying to do the same thing as well and be the first to find a habitable world. It's really really original it's awesome the narrator ray porter is absolutely fantastic and i've listened i like sci-fi i love my sci-fi this is just a very original piece of sci-fi it's the kind of thing that i hadn't really heard before and it's not the only book in the series either there's a reason why this has like 38,000 five star ratings or something it's it's very very good and it's a really good performance as well of the book so yeah go for that if you're into some you want some sci-fi it's a little bit off the wall, a little bit unusual. This is this is it. This is what you want to look at. Now, Jesse, you do like your Star Wars books. I'm sure you have one I for like us this Star week. Books. What you got? Getting back to tyranny and evil. Uh, my recommendation is the Battlefront Two Inferno Squadron book. I know you're saying what, Jesse? A Battlefront Two book? Uh, it's Star Wars first off, and also it's the prequel to the game. So maybe if you're gonna play the story mode, that might be fun. But more importantly. It, it takes place after Rogue One, and it is about the Empire's response and how they're like, yo, we need our own Rogue One team. We're going to call them Inferno Squad because they're going to burn shit up. And um, yeah, they go and hunt down the remnants of Saw Gerrera's forces and uh, generally wreak havoc throughout the galaxy because evil is awesome, apparently. And um, it's narrated by the voice actress who does... Uh, the main character in Inferno uh, or in uh, Battlefront 2. 
So ah oh, yes, the one that was extremely comical. serious on the stage and trying to scare her with scare us with a super sexy dominatrix kind of act. I was scared and aroused. Indeed, and that was a that was a fear boner. That was no doubt. <laughs> yes, it was. And so she uh she does the voice acting for this as well, and uh it's a solid entry into the new Star Wars canon, uh which apparently it totally is. So it makes me excited for the game actually because there's a story this time around and I. That's what I'm about. I want to see yep. what this is. So written by Christy Golden, who has done several excellent wild books oh and has God. also been dipping yeah. into Star Wars as of late. Some good stuff. You could sign up pretty much anywhere in the world, and they are currently doing a win-win sale where you can pick up a lot of really good audiobooks for five dollars each. So there are some situations where a credit is a better value, but there's some like, oh, for five bucks, it's worth picking this book up instead of using a credit that I could Instead, spend on a book that's like $40 instead. So, you know, I could I could save a lot more money there. Audible's great. It's compatible with practically any device. I use it on my Amazon Echo all of the time. I just walk in, I get out my breakfast, then I just tell Alexa to resume my audiobook, and it just kicks off right from where I left off. It's awesome, and I would highly recommend the service. We all use it on a regular basis for a very good reason. Force, have you tried Audible at any point? No, I didn't get paid for this. Ah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's totally fair. He is not getting fair sponsorship enough. for this. <laughs> try Why don't you try it our free trial at audible.com slash right. hey. well, well, get your free audiobook from there. We'll, see. I don't think <laughs> we'll read it or listen. We'll yeah, bring exactly. you into the club. All right, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our sponsorship spot. And of course, big thanks to Audible and Amazon Company for their sponsorship of the Co-Optional Podcast. We'll be right after the break, folks. Don't go anywhere. More games discussion coming your way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. I'm really just getting used to this uh, lovely stream deck thing here. Yeah, it's making the show a lot easier, but you have to remember to push the buttons on here instead of just doing it manually. I'm like, ah, goddammit. But it is cool. For those who haven't seen it, if I can, I'm going to break something, aren't I? Oh, <laughs> guarantee it. <laughs> this is uh, what it looks like. You're not going to be able to see You can't it. stop saying enough good things about that. I mean, up until a couple of days ago, I was saying... Eh, but then they did a proper exploit implementation. Now I'm saying this is really good now uh, because that it wasn't reliable before that because it was reliant on global hotkeys instead and there's certain programs that override that. But for doing co-optional, I mean, you saw that, you know, co-optional needs, you know, 13 buttons there. The co-optional needs to work properly and Shoutcraft needs even more than that. So it's pretty damn good. What's the uh, going rate for those things? Too, too, probably too expensive, but that's like 130, <laughs> 140, I think. Uh, um, it's, I mean, it is like a full screen underneath it, which is why each of those buttons can be its own individual thing. So right, right. it's not too shabby. Um, the only thing I'd say about uh, Elgato, their overpriced fucking $150 mini green screen is something you definitely do not need. No. You, you don't. Go to, go, go to Home Goods and. $10. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all you need. You know, you just couple three point lighting rig, nice and cheap one of Amazon, fifty, sixty dollars, ten dollar green screen, you're good. That's all you need. If anyone's like, oh, it's getting streaming, you need all this fancy shit, you don't. Decent yeah. mic, you know, Logitech webcam, ten dollar green screen, you're good. And that's assuming you even use green screen. A lot of us don't. Right. We don't <laughs> see the point. But right now that's you know, that little deck is proven to be quite handy for the show. If I remember to actually use it. Right. Now, I believe, Force, you have been doing a lot of Destiny 2 as of late. Uh, yeah. 
yeah. how you feeling, girl? Uh, I've been playing way too much Destiny 2. I am uh, prone. I... I am prone to dive in head first, especially to MMO esque games with loot treadmills. It's, oh God, I've seen you do that. I saw what you did with Warframe. I saw yeah, what you did with Division. Yeah. They're explo They're exploiting me psychologically, and I know it, but I'm okay with it. How dare they? How, how dare they? Have fun they? while I do it. Yeah. Um, Destiny 2 is a lot better than Destiny 1 was at launch. Uh, so just to preface this, I did play a lot of, I'll just call it Vanilla Destiny, the, the base launch of the game. I played like five or 600 hours before the first expansion. So I played the hell out of it, probably way more than I needed to. I didn't really follow up deeply with the expansions, but I at least uh, like kept up with what, like what they had, what, what, what they were adding just to get a general sense, but I never went back for the expansions. So that's a preface. With that said, Destiny 2 launched in a state that I think a lot of people hoped and expected to get from the base launch of Destiny 1. Uh, there's a lot more, the, 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 the explorable areas, especially Earth, which is the largest of the four explorable areas, uh, there's Earth, Titan, Io, and Nessus are like the planets or moons or, you know, whatever that you get to explore, explorable spaces. Um, and Earth is by far the biggest. And it is like just all of them. It's not it's not only just like surface area. I'm not I'm not simply talking about like from point A to point B, but they also added in all of the locations. There's a lot more verticality. So there's a lot more uh, heights that you can climb up to. There's tons of cavernous areas they added this new system called the lost sectors which are kind of like these mini dungeons and in and of themselves they're nothing spectacular but it's kind of one of those things where the sum of all the parts you know makes it a greater experience and the addition of these little caves that you get to explore and it was one of my favorite things of the elder scrolls online they had these little dungeons scattered throughout the world and they've got something similar in the lost sectors here that i really really enjoyed there are these little caves with these mini bosses that you go in and again it's a pretty straightforward experience but that added on top of the larger surface area the greater verticality and the the larger amount of things to do between patrols um they, they have their adventure activities they have uh, they have the the public uh, public events that take place on a regular basis and the public events are even more layered because they have heroic versions that you can trigger by doing special things just the act of playing the game feels a lot more involved than Vanilla Destiny was. Uh, so that that aspect of the game, I'm liking much, much more than what we got first with Destiny One. What are you What are you thinking about? Because they kept being like, "Oh, there's so much more story. Oh, it's so, so tons of story." How do you uh, yeah. feel? Yeah, I get asked that a lot, and I feel I feel bad about uh, my response to this. <laughs> I just don't give a crap about the story in these games. So I know you're that the was, wrong person to ask. I am the wrong person to ask. <laughs> and the worst type of game. <laughs> well, I, I, I agree with him. I'm not, you know, when it comes to loot shows, I don't give a fuck about the story, man. Exactly. I care about loot, good loot and fun combat. And... Oh, God. I th well, th that, I, guess, I guess the point is, for me, it depends on why I'm approaching a game. Um, there are certainly games where I'm deeply involved with the story, like The Last of Us is one of my favorite games, um, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, uh, Papa EO, like we talked about earlier. These are some of my favorite games of all times, exclusively for the stories. But a game like this, I approach very differently. I'm playing them for the loot treadmill. I'm playing them for the hopeful difficulty of the end game and, and just the, the act of um, 
the social experience of playing with your friends and going and doing these different things in the world and doing the dungeons and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I heard the stories better, Destiny too. I, I'm I sure know. Jesse could comment on that. <laughs> I mean, Destiny's dab. Uh, de- Destiny, a hey. Destiny two. You've dabbled a, a little bit. That's a series now, Destiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've you've dabbled a bit in number two, Jesse, haven't you? Just a bit, or no? Oh, I on- uh, I only played the beta, and the beta is straight up just. Uh, the beta was trash. The beta wasn't right. much. Yeah. You, are you uh, waiting I'm for waiting. PC? I'm, I'm gonna wait for PC because yeah, I I'm see no point of playing it on PlayStation or whatever. Mm-hmm. If I, because I I genuinely suck at controlling guns and first person shooters with a controller. I cannot do it to save my fucking life. It's not so fun to do wait. either. Sucks. I force. I assume you're abandoning your PS4 ver- version right when the PC version comes out. Yeah. Are you feeling like PC, from what I understand, they're gonna be keeping pace with all of the um, the DLC that's coming up. Once once the PC version comes out, the first DLC pass will be hitting all platforms at the same time. Right. So there's no reason for me. Yeah, October twenty right? fourth is the PC launch, mm-hmm. um, and then all you know, all the all the people I normally play with are also gonna be playing on the PC. Uh, PC. I wanted to pick this up because again, I. I did. I loved my time with Destiny One. I just ended up running out of stuff to do, and all of my friends had stopped playing, so there was yep. not much reason to grind gear. If I had no one to show it off so. to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I am many many <laughs> times more uh, with Destiny Two. I am enjoying this base experience. I talked about this the other day. Part of me wishes. I think this would have been phenomenal that they had Destiny Two had been Destiny One plus Destiny Two. Like, I wish it was, I wish they, part of me wishes they took the approach with this game that they do with MMOs, which is they took the world and then they added on top of it. You know what I mean? Uh, But, you know, it's weird because I have that critique and or that desire. But at the same time, we don't complain that Call of Duty 4 didn't also include Call of Duty 3, 2, and 1. You True, know? but you, so, your point about it being an MMO MMOs. is kind of valid. You know, WoW adds it as a new continent, and then sometimes they go back and once a continent's old enough, they're like, this doesn't hold up to the rest of it, so we've right. got to redo it, we've got to polish it up again. Uh, I I mean, that would have been nice, because there's probably some pretty cool areas in Destiny 1, that, especially that you PC viewers, never got to see expansions. it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. I think it would have been special. I think part of it, it was, was likely that they didn't want to exclude the player base of the last console generation. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that likely reason, or maybe one of the reasons, is why we're probably not going to see Destiny 2 as part of Destiny 3, because by then we're probably going to have a PlayStation 5 and, I don't know, yeah. Xbox 2 or whatever they end up deciding <laughs> to mm-hmm. call it. Um, yeah. I guess it just depends on how you perceive these games, because I play and perceive these games as an MMO, so that's kind of why I wish that Destiny 1 was rolled into this. But um that aside, as it is, they've definitely learned a lot from their mistakes. I think there's a lot of quality of life things they still need to improve on. You still run into the the question of the amount of content for people who play it like an MMO, which for, it means you play it like you have no life. Because if you do it like I do, you, you run into that wall sooner or later. Yeah. Where, you know, there's not infinite content because it's not procedural content. So it yeah. all becomes about the grind sooner or later. The question is: Is that grind uh, engaging enough for you? It's 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 no, it's less MMORPG and more Diablo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Borderlands, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. That those are games you can draw clear comparisons to. Well, there's like you're essentially after a while you're literally doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Yeah. 
And the, 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 here and there. the, the, the benefit, it, it, there's a lot of uh, criticisms and a lot of them are well warranted for Destiny. Uh, but one of the things that I can say is I felt this way about the first game. It's that just the gameplay is, the, the gameplay loop is so very satisfying. The gunplay is a lot of fun. And I say that as someone who doesn't necessarily love console shooters. I much prefer shooting with a playing with a mouse and keyboard. But even that, like, it's just so fun to play. It's so satisfying. The sounds of the headshots, um, it's just, it's a very rewarding experience. And I'm really excited for the PC launch of it. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm at the end game right now. I'm at the point where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of maxed at what I'm doing. And I'm looking now to start to play other characters. Uh, but you, have you tried the raid yet? About, what's that? I tried the raid yet? Yeah, we we the group that I play with we we beat it last week, and the hard mode version is coming out this week. The raid is great. I'll talk about cool. this briefly. Feel free to cut me off whenever, by the way. But because <laughs> this, this has been my life for two weeks, so I have a lot to say. It's most of the reason I brought you on, so by yeah. all means, you lay it uh, on. The the real thing that I like about this raid, and as with everything, there's people who who view it completely differently but the thing that i enjoy about this raid and i think you would appreciate this as well tb is one of the big problems with shooting rpg games or shooting loot games is how you design Sponge. mechanics and a lot of yeah a lot of times mechanics to boss fights in these games are just give the boss a lot of health and or make the make something do a lot of damage so it's all about line of sighting and just whenever you get the chance just pour as much damage into this boss as you can and the raid actually really only has one boss fight, and it's the last boss. And even that fight, a majority of the time, it's all about mechanics. There's a lot of coordination that takes place. You have to work with the other members of your team and constantly communicate with them. I guess a perfect example is one of the encounters is the team of six splits in two, and one group has to say something that only they can see, to the other group of three and they then oh. have to do something to let that group progress so there's like That's a cool. lot of yeah it's a lot of puzzle solving and a lot of coordination and center and and um synchronizing things like synchronizing shots or actions within the event much more so than here's the boss with a lot of health avoid his heavy attack and try to kill him um so mm -hmm. i i like that approach much better than just the bullet sponge i think they did a good job with this raid that sounds good. Uh, the, yeah. My main concern with Destiny is the bullet spongy aspect of it. I hate that in shooters. It, it doesn't matter how cool your gun sounds, if you can clearly see it's doing about as much damage as a fucking paintball. So yeah. it's not as entertaining there. But I've seen some of the guns, you know, it seems like if I'm going to play it, you know, I'd probably want to go a magnum pistol and a shotgun of some sort just to make sure that keep those like shots to kill kind of low. It's yeah. great to hear they have that required voice coordination i love the idea of having to communicate something back that only one part of the team can see you know that's a that's part of some board games that we really like like uh, captain sonar or you remember space team on on the uh, iphone and on android where you had to communicate that information across and there was an element of that to dead space 3 as well where one person was seeing things the other person couldn't encouraging kind of forcing that communication through the game mechanics is an excellent idea for ensuring that a raid's going to be very entertaining and that's the best way to raid man that feeling mm -hmm. of camaraderie you get on voice makes raiding really enjoyable that's what i loved about wow and when that went away from wow i stopped caring about wow so mm. i am very interested to play destiny 2 when it hits pc definitely yeah. i want to play it i'm just not going to play it on console 
Uh, I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, there's definitely like complaints to be levied against the game. Uh, the microtransactions have uh, people upset, uh, understandably. Uh, I guess what I would sub bullshit. Yeah. To, to the point at the very least, the, the, the concerns about pay to win are pretty unfounded because the, the game relevant things that you get from the microtransactions are so minuscule and you far surpass it simply by playing the game. The nefarious side of that is that they have their customization system through shaders as one-time use items now, and you can get a lot of those by spending money. So people who really care about cosmetics, which this is a big thing that you're seeing the gaming industry over the past like seven years or whatever, um, is that people do care about it and they're willing to spend lots of money on cosmetics. And so pay to win, not a huge problem with Destiny 2. Microtransactions in a $60 game, though, still pretty much sucks, especially since we know there's going to be at least three DLCs that they're charging, what, yeah. $30 for, $40 yeah. for? It's unnecessary. So it's a little lame, but no one's paying to get a huge advantage over someone. So yeah. at least that's not there uh, yet. Hashtag Overwatch, though. No one gave a shit about that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, a lot of people, well, people have, you did, know, but, people uh, have started to turn on Overwatch's system in kind of a big way. And, you know, I think we first saw it at the first Summer Games last year, where people were like, oh, it's really hard to get these skins, and the in-game currency you have to spend is three times more than a regular skin would be, and mm. it's a limited time event. So I feel like I really do have to buy a shit ton of crates in order to get what I want. And I, you know, I'll happily admit, I'm, since that time, I've been saying I don't mind loot boxes on their own as just a reward for leveling up. But if you are not going to let me buy the thing that I want outright for a regular amount of money, you got to take the piss. I'm going to stop, start hating your game. Like, uh, yeah. here's the storm. There's a lot of good things about those loot boxes. You know, you get a lot of rewards, a lot of good stuff. But because they've now blocked off the ability to buy almost every skin in the game because they've hidden it behind a bunch of other shit, I now don't want to play and spend money in that game anymore. Mm. Like, let's... Oh, my God. <clears throat> for real, though, Heroes is a game where when you complete quests, you get gold. Yep. Gold has no function, but it allows you to re-roll what you've spent your real money on yes. and or time. Like, yeah. what a fucking... There are three currencies in Heroes, guys! Three it's currencies! <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, fuck, the only oh. reason we're not more angry about that is that Fortnite has, like, seven. But one way or the other, yeah, they... Uh, Blizzard has gone full on with the loot box system, and I've, I've rapidly turned off those ideas because of the way they've implemented them. You can have them in addition to something, but don't obfuscate my ability to buy microtransactions. I'm not going to play your shitty... A loot box gambling game because let's call it what it is at this point yeah it's a form of gambling even mm-hmm. if you can't sell that shit outside of the game and it's really starting to piss me off on on that note i am okay with the the idea of funding future development solely through cosmetics yes versus versus charging for dlcs and splitting up your player base and all of that it's just the developer has to find the line it's it's a line they have to balance between taking advantage of people but not making them feel like you're taking advantage of them. Yeah. And it sounds really creepy when you say it, but the flip side is, look, they're they're employing people that probably spend millions a year just paying people salaries to continue to make content for games. They're getting that money somewhere. Um, well, so ultimately, if it's just going to be cosmetic systems, I can live with that. You there know? are better ways to do it. Like, especially with yeah. De- the problem with Destiny, of course, is you had the first game, and people then had an expectation of how shaders worked. And then they they took steps backwards. You know, fashion frame for Warframe is a big deal. 
-hmm. Shaders are a big deal, but shaders are super cheap and they're infinite use in Warframe. You could buy a massive pack of shaders for like the equivalent of a dollar and get a huge amount of customization out of that. And you can also trade in-game currency for the platinum to pick those up. So you don't have to spend money on them. So there's like an economy where you barter that. You just sell uh, prime parts that you get from drops for it. So that that's a way around it. Um, think about something like Dark Souls. You know, Fashion Souls is a thing. And people love sure. customizing their characters and looking unique and awesome or obnoxious and ridiculous. I love that too. If you're going to make it super difficult for me to do that, I'm going to start getting annoyed with you. I will mm -hmm. pay money for cosmetic microtransactions if you don't take the piss. When you yeah. start taking the piss... I'm not going to play, and I'm not going to jump through your fucking fiery hoops anymore. Yeah. If I can't, I just want to spend, look at that. I want to spend five or $10 on that. Let me do it. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to let me do it, I'm not going to participate at all. And you just lost, you know, you just lost the whale. You know, someone well, that is TV, literally willing to throw hundreds of dollars in it. There's a really good chance Fuck you're going to get exactly it. what you're doing. Yeah, and yeah, it's, a good, it's a good chance 95% of it is a big pile of dog shit that you're never going to yeah. use again, you know? Yeah. So keep loot boxes for level up rewards. Keep it out of everything else. It's it's not good. You know, it is still cosmetic. It doesn't affect the game, but it's they're continually doing things which are making me less and less likely to give them money. Mm -hmm. And I can't be the only one thinking that way. For sure. That, I guess those shenanigans aside, though, the the TLDR in Destiny 2, it's, it's a better version of vanilla Destiny 1. If yes. you didn't like Destiny 1, you probably won't like this. You're fighting the same enemies. Yeah. The gameplay is pretty much the same. They've tweaked some of the classes, but you still have the same three classes. Although, supposedly, we're getting a fourth faction or fifth or whatever. We're getting a new faction at some point in Destiny 2. Very odd that they didn't include that in launch of the game. That seems like yeah, a big selling point. Yeah. Like halfway through its lifespan, I guess they're adding a new one. That's a bit so. weird. Oh, I was going to say maybe they were planning on releasing it once it was out on all of the platforms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. To make people be yeah. like, oh, yeah, Destiny. Yeah, but I guess I've heard that there's a new faction coming at some point, but weird that it's not out when a game comes out. Mm. But it's it's a better Destiny one in a lot of ways. I've enjoyed it much more, and I'm, I plan. I believe I'll be sticking with it much longer than I did Vanilla Destiny. Yeah. So yeah, that's Destiny too. Cool stuff. TB, how have you been feeling about uh, Total War? Well, Sam and I, I were watching you play it. I played a lot. Yeah, I thanks to Creative Assembly, they said. Hey, you want to stream Skaven campaign this weekend? I'm like, yeah, hell, uh, hell yeah, I do. Because I really enjoyed that the last time. So I got to basically stream about 10 hours of the Skaven campaign. And people got to watch us start from our little ratty beginnings all the way through to fucking with everything. And we got to show off a lot of the units. We got up to the big stuff, hell pit abominations and warp lightning cannons and warp fire throwers and... Really cool stuff, and uh, got to get a legendary lord very, very high up, like to the point where he's just a death machine. He's got so many cool items and so many cool spells, he can rip an army apart himself. And yeah, I enjoy it a lot. It's very much more of the same of Total War Warhammer, but better. And a lot of it's going to come down to, do you want more of that? And are you into these races? Like, do you like Lizard Men's Cave and High Elves and Dark Elves? If you don't, maybe hold off until they do come up with something. Bear in mind, if you're in the first game, you can play all of the original races in this one. So now that means there's a ton of races and a lot of options. 
to mess around with in this world and you know, a lot of these different campaigns you can play it so there's a ton of content there's just a lot of uh, things that have been tightened up little bolts that have been tightened up so they're not so rattly anymore there's a lot more options for like overlays and hiding certain elements you don't like and making certain people turns go faster than others so like if you're at war with somebody you can say yeah show all the movements of that so i can keep track of the army and everyone else just have them move instantly so it speeds up the time from term to term Performance generally seems better, although I definitely did encounter some stuttering on certain battle maps. Uh, it is not a review-ready build yet. They said the review-ready build is in about two days' time, so I'll have to try that again prior to it. I mean, I was running like 120, 140 FPS most of the time, but there were occasionally times where it would just chug a little bit, uh, depending on the map. For Skaven, it's just, if you want a faction that can be played in either a very much a disposable swarm kind of way, with a shit ton of units just sending them to their death and then firing into their own troops and blowing shit up, they can do that. Or they have some really monstrous elite options as well. If you want some really powerful monsters and big war machines and you want to hold the line with elite storm vermin with halberds and you know, really tough troops, you've got that too. It's probably not their main tactic, but you can do it. I've got three different armies running right now in my campaign that have three very different compositions. You want a sneaky composition. You know, there are stealth troops and guys that have a lot of dodge and can use concealment bombs and all that kind of good stuff. And you can do shit like summon units all over the battlefield. And there's a lot of fun to be had there. I really want to try out some of the other factions because they've all now got their own unique battle mechanic. Uh, right. For, For instance, for... High Elves, if you go into a fight with full-strength units, you get a bunch of bonuses. There's like a kind of martial discipline kind of thing. If you go in with Dark Elves, the more you kill, the more of a blood frenzy they get. And once they hit a certain threshold, they go crazy and just murder everybody. So there's some really cool ideas behind that. And I found that the campaign management's a little bit better too. There's a few the, more things you have to consider. The animations with like... They have they have unique animations for each race fighting against each other, right? Yeah, and they go further than that as well. They also have unique animations for monsters fighting monsters. Hmm. Oh, and that's great. Like you get one of your monsters, like oh, you know, Hydra versus Griffin. Let's see what happens. And they've got a ton of unique battle animations where like the Hydra will wrestle the Griffin to the ground and do all sorts of shit like that. And that looks really, really cool. Like, there's no question about that. And a lot of you know, what people were really excited about when the Total War went fantasy is we can have these big monster units now, which in the previous games can't really do that. That's not historically accurate. The be best thing you get are elephants most of the time. But you can. there's a lot of really fun monsters that all have their own fun abilities. And magic is much more important in this game as well. So if you like spamming huge spells all over the battlefield, doing tons of damage with it, the game's very good with that. But I will certainly say, if you did not enjoy Total War Warhammer 1, kind of like then the Destiny 1 to 2 uh, kind of comparison, they haven't changed enough to change your mind. Mm -hmm. This is definitely more the same. A big way to uh, that some people have explained it is it's a mega expansion because they've added on definitely enough content for a sequel and it's priced that way too. But because it's cross-compatible with the last game, it is like an expansion pack. So you're paying a $60 for a $60 mega expansion that integrates the last game in. So the other concern you have with Destiny 1 there, where you can't play the old content, in this you can. So mm. it's a really big Total War experience. And if that's what you want, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it's got the co-op campaign. It's got the versus mode, pretty much everything you like. The story is a lot better this time, I think, 
because you are constantly uh, working on this big ritual and everyone gets their own unique cutscenes and animations for every stage of the ritual. And with the Skaven, it was first like, I sent my little squire into the cave because I was a big pussy and couldn't be bothered to do it myself. And he met the great horned rat and he said, you must build the giant thing. And it's like, how do we build the giant thing, great horned rat? You build it like this. And then the second one, it's just this giant fucking thing with a huge, ha like, spinning saw in it. It's like, what the fuck is that? We don't know, but the, the great horned rat said we had to build it. And uh, so <laughs> there's a lot of crazy stuff going on there. And I like the fact that, unlike previous Total War games, you have to fight to the very end to win. In most right. campaigns, you got to the point where you were so dominant that you might as well not bother clearing everybody else out. In this, because there's this ritual, and whoever completes the whole ritual first wins, you have to fight to the very end. So awesome. that feels pretty good. Hmm. I enjoyed it a lot. I had a lot of fun on stream with it. I'm definitely going to be playing it when it comes out. Cool. That will be my conclusion on it at the moment. I want to try and get a bit more Dark Elf campaign time in before I do a big kind of critique on it. But... So far, so good. Awesome. It looks cool. Yeah, it is. Um, and really, like, if you're intimidated by Total War, I think Total War's got a kind of an unfair reputation of, like, oh, it's a grand strategy. It's Babby's first grand strategy. It really yeah, is. Yeah, like, it's still intimidating. Don't say that. Don't say that. It is. It's it, is it is it a is, bit, you know? But you've got to, like, especially if you play on the easier modes, really it's about grab a blob of units, set a formation, and you just do that by holding and dragging, and it's tactics, you know, it's grand scale tactics. So, oh, there's knights charging me. Get my spears up at the right, you know, so they're not facing backwards, so they don't get hit in the rear and all that kind of thing. You know, these are kind of basic tactics that I think everybody understands, you know, as opposed to anything super complicated. And I've won plenty of battles in Total War Warhammer 2 just by applying basic military theory to it. It's like, oh, shit, they got a bunch of cavalry. I'm going to set up my spears in the woods because the woods are going to slow down that cavalry charge and then I'm going to flank them with a bunch of rat ogres and blow them up that way. It's good. TB, have you played the other, uh, that, that new Warhammer game that just did early access? Inquisitor? Oh, God, yeah, it's not very good. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm a bit disappointed <laughs> with that so far. Um, there's a one big reason that I think Inquisitor needs a lot of work. So for those who don't know, Inquisitor is a Warhammer 40,000-style Diablo game where you play an Inquisitor who are... They're basically Sherlock Holmes with a machine gun in the 40K universe. Their job is mm. to root out heresy and hunt down demons and all that kind of shit. Inquisitor is less of the investigatory element, more of the shooting cheer element, which is fine. But there is this weird camera in it that swings it around so much that it makes me feel seasick. Hmm. I don't know why it's there, but after playing 30 minutes of it, I wanted to run away. So I don't know why it's there. They need an option to turn that off. Like, I don't see why you can just have the standard isometric Diablo camera. No harm in doing that. There's nothing your game does that's remotely different to start that from happening. Right now, though, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to wait for it to finish. I think it's way too early in development, and that camera style is nauseating. So there's, there's too yeah. many damn Warhammer games. I'm just remembering yeah, now the are. Warhammer PvP game that I don't think ever came out. It did. Eternal Crusade. Not oh, it did. Play it. Yeah, oh, it went no. kind of free to play. <laughs> it's not very good. I played it. It's All like right. a really crappy version of Battlefield. It's not that good. Um, could have been a lot better than it was. Like it was what was left of the Warhammer 40k MMO, Dark Dark Millennium, yeah. I think. And they just stripped out what they had and made it into that, and it just ended up being pretty shit. 
Oh, um, those reviews are bad. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the thing about 40K and just fantasy in general is that Games Workshop threw open the doors to let any company they that wanted to use it, and that means we've got a lot of shitty games. But yeah. we got stuff like Battlefleet Gothic, which would have never got without that. So every now and again, or Space Wolf, which is really good. So there's there's a few pretty good games, and there's a lot of tat. Uh, Inquisitor right now is tat, but I can see I can it can be fixed. And a loot game in 40k, yeah. I mean, it's a Diablo-style loot game in the 40k universe. Like it, it's kind of hard to fuck that up. It's just they currently have fucked it up. (laughs) So, (laughs) and yet, yeah, if they could just you know fix that and get get that back on where it needs to be, I think it will be okay. That's what early access is for, right? Mm. Making sure you take that feedback. So I hope they do. Vermintide was good. Vermintide was very, very good. I think um, we're probably... There's going to be a deal on our sponsor, chrono.gg slash TB. We're going to be selling four packs of that for not a lot of money at all. So I think we're going to probably get back together and play some more Vermintide because that that was fun. We played that together and we had a lot of fun in co-op with that game. Yeah, I'm stoked. They're doing a Mm -hmm. sequel, right? They announced that. They are. Yep, they are. I can't wait to see what enemies (laughs) there are in it. Apparently there's a new... There's some new enemies and they might not be Skaven. Ooh... So, yeah, that, that could be good. If hey, if they make the Left 4 Dead 2 of Warhammer games, I'll be super happy with that. Versus yep. mode, man. Versus mode. That would be great. Jesse, what else have you been playing this week? Yo, uh, Dukes and I played The Letter. Oh, um, yeah, we did. The Letter, yes. Which is a horror visual novel. And I know I, like many people around the world, would be like, what the fudge is that beef? And it is genuinely a scary game. <laughs> it's it's weird to say that. I'm but- glad to hear you say that since you have a show literally called Scary Game Squad. I felt like I couldn't say that because it would show that I'm a baby. <laughs> no, it, it's it does have it did take us 20 minutes of like story set up to get into the scares. But with that said, like it is an anime game but a scary one. And I think it behooves them that it's not a static image. Like, you mm-hmm. know how in most story games of that nature where it's like, and then they're like, oh, I'm happy yeah, now. there's like, there's like the one picture of each person, but they've got it so that everybody kind of like moves ways or like when they turn their head, their hair moves and things like that. Oh. And so it, it gives you this really, odd feeling because you you never totally feel safe and thank god we felt that way because near the end of the fan friday that we did like suddenly it was a qte and there was yeah, a thing chasing us and we were like fuck <laughs> like the game actually has things that come at you and we were like nope <laughs> um holy shit it's like a revelation i i'm really impressed that a game like this exists i thought it was gonna be like a cheesy like oh got you with a scary picture but it's legit like a real video game of like you have to do things besides just go through a story hmm. and so. uh shout out to everybody who tweeted us explaining what a jeepney is yes in in the story they What's in the story look the story has a lot of things about how one briar reality is the worst reality in the world and two, her dad. We were like, to- are they calling out a real realtor? <laughs> so curious. <laughs> and and uh, jeepney apparently is in the Philippines. It's like the mode of transportation. We thought it was like a like just a longer form of jeep. Like like a way to say jeep. Yeah. And then everybody that we know who's either been to the Philippines or is from the Philippines was like, yo, a jeepney is like a taxi. And we were like, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sending us like pictures and stuff. Yeah, they're like big taxis. So, so yeah, but it there is a genuinely like compelling game. It was mm-hmm. one of those things where it it isn't just your normal drivel of like anime bullshit. It's anime as fuck, but it's like a real scary game. It's a real horror game. Yeah, and, uh, that was kind of a shock, and I was like, all right, we definitely need to to stream this at some point. So yeah, we're talking about streaming it. So keep your eyeballs peeled for that maybe next week yep that's super cool okay mm-hmm. anything else you've been playing uh oh my god look this week i played a ton of heroes but i'm not gonna jump on that train and mm. comment on that i will say Jane that is true part. i i that invaded boy. your room a couple of times and you were always playing heroes <laughs> i was like yeah. all right <laughs> I yeah it's it's when i have like a video rendering usually when i have a video rendering on both these computers i either end up playing Civ 6 or Heroes. And I don't know why. I guess it's like a comfort thing. But like I'll sit here and just like zone out while stuff gets done. And uh yeah. Oh my god. I've also been playing a lot of uh Warrior All-Stars. Y'all. Oh my yeah, god. you talked a lot about that last week. It's uh you would seem like, to be know, pretty into so it. This week. Not only am I into it, this so last night. I went because I was going to level characters, right? I was going to level up different characters and just try to power level everyone. Because, you know, it's a Warriors game. Eventually, you have to just grind out characters so everyone can hit max. So I'm playing through these characters, and I get to the point where I I find a new character, and uh, it's like this sexy demon chick, and she's like, hey, cat. So my main character that I'm playing as is literally the cat version of uh, Nobunaga called Nobu Niaga. And (laughs) he is like a little tiny chibi cat. Don't ask. It doesn't make sense. People will come into chat and be like, what the fuck are you playing? I'm like, don't ask questions. Just watch. <laughs> he's literally a cat who wants to take over the world. Uh, and he's and he has like a little mustache and shit. And he has an army of cats that follow him. But I I got this girl and she, at the end of the scene, she was like, hey, Nobunaga, why are we helping these, these main characters? Why don't we take over this world for ourselves? And I was like, what? And then a mission appeared that was like, hey, you can end the game right now. If you, as this cat, want to just take over the world, and I was like, we have to do this. So I started playing through it, and be, you fight all the heroes, and you kick their asses. And at the end, the main the main character of the game is like, why, why would you do this? Are you do you want? And Nobunaga, who has three ch- three like sexy chicks behind him as like his squad, comes up and he's like, I did want to take over this world. But you're all punk ass bitches, and I don't even want it anymore. And he walked away, and I was like, "What?" And that was the end. Of, that was it. Was like you completed one of the story endings. I was like, "Oh, this is the greatest <laughs> game I've ever played." He punked everyone. He was like, "You all bitches. If your planet's so weak, I don't even want to be here." That's what the ending was. I was like, "Amazing." God, it was a beautiful moment. And then it was like restart and reload and you can actually play the real game. But I was like, I can't believe a little tiny chibi cat just shit on everyone in this game. He was like, y'all bitches, I'm out. Wow. It was okay. awesome. <laughs> I've never been so happy to play a game that's as ludicrous as this game. You, the enemies are slime people and dog and cat boys and fucking like toy dolls and giant like Birdmen and and weird snake Ouroboros people like it is nonsense. It is not the main characters are a fox boy, his sexy fox mom, his sexy fox sister, and his like Sephiroth looking fox brother. And they're all like, we're trying to become the king of this realm. And it's and then all these other heroes from games that 
I've never heard of, but apparently are very popular in Japan, show up in this world. And they're like, we got dragged here. We don't know why we're here, but in order to get back, we have to help, I guess. And thank God my little cat boy was like, fuck this, and killed everyone. It was great. <laughs> I was like, I love this game so much. It is great. My passion, I'm glad you have a passion for it. Games is through the roof. You're right, chat. I'm waiting for Dynasty Warriors 9. It's going to be awesome. It's open world Dynasty Warriors. Oh, Lubu. Dear. Also, Lubu shows up in this game, and I beat Lubu as a chibi cat, and it felt so good. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. Best okay. Ever. Generally, best, like, when he's on super something he's super passionate about, just let him go for, like, 10, 15 minutes. You just wind yeah. him up, let him no. go. It's good filler let for the me, show. The rest of us can take a break. It's great. You could you could have gone to the bathroom and come back. I'd still be talking about that fucking yeah, I know. cat. <laughs> I know. It just would have been a little bit, like, obvious if we'd done that. But <laughs> I, I, just pees into a cup now. <laughs> yeah, mostly. It, it, we call it the... The, uh, second you, the second you get going, once your voice starts to ramp a little, he's like... Time to un- yep. <laughs> unzipper the pants. Yep, just uh, attach the corruptional <laughs> brand catheter and just get going. That. Do, do you guys want a quick Overwatch update? No, sure. not in the slightest. Yeah, Junkertown is in there, No, right? we don't. But, okay, finally we get one anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, queen. We okay. want the queen. Who's we the want- queen? Is it Janet Jackson? Who's yeah. the queen? Oh, is no, it Janet Jackson? Jackson? <laughs> Tina Turner? Tina Turner, Janet Jackson. No, she gets Who's her boobs. Queen. Tina Turner got the legs to pegs. I don't know what that means. All right. So there's a new map, Drunkertown. Uh, it's a it's a payload map, which people are excited about. I mean, just getting new content in general is is cool for the game. Um, mm. And I guess since I was last on the podcast, they have added quite a bit. There's the elimination mode that might have been there, but they added the deathmatch gameplay mode which is really nice for people who want to play Overwatch, a team-based game, without having to play with any stupid fucking teammates. Like, <laughs> Deathmatch is a good option for you. Um, and then the new patch today also does something interesting that I'm glad that Blizzard is willing to do with this game. It basically almost entirely changes Mercy. They're, they removed her old ultimate, made right. it um, a little less powerful, but a basic skill on a cooldown, and her new ultimate turns her into like a god allowing her to fly wherever she wants around the map for like it's like 20 or 30 seconds um making it so that her single target heal can heal her entire team at once and also boost um she doesn't have to reload so if you want to go battle mercy flying through the sky and just like unlimited ammo firing at the entire enemy team you can do that i think it's cool because they're, they're willing to make like they're not just doing tweaks like slightly changing cooldowns or the power of things they're willing that, to totally like change a big stuff. overhaul and th- i think those kind of things are good for a character based game with skills like this because it keeps it fresh so there you go new, new stuff to overwatch some big balance changes to overwatch that's happened have you played at all with um doomfist yeah doomfist has been cool uh he's uh he plays much differently than a lot of the other new characters he's melee focused you basically have a punch that you you can uppercut people with there's a punch skill where you dive towards people with your fist and you knock them back and you stun them and deal more damage if they hit a wall Uh, he's got like a short range um shotgun they they did some balance changes to him which uh, reduced the size of his hitbox for his punch abilities which made it a lot more difficult to hit, which has made him a little less powerful than he was when he first came out. Um, but, you know, most of your viewers probably don't care about any of those nuances. Uh, but Doomfist as a hero is interesting. Um, they've been on a clip, I believe, of a new hero every three months, which mm-hmm. um, 
you know, people will compare it to MOBAs. Some MOBAs out there will release a new hero every month or every few weeks. Obviously, the difference with Overwatch is it's a it's a 3D world instead of like a top-down isometric world. So I think that's a bit more, I don't know if it's difficult. I, I'm not a developer, but I assume it's more difficult to program and add that sort of stuff to these games. But I've been happy with the new hero every three months. We're probably going to get one hero, maybe two, um, at BlizzCon, uh, which is in you know a month and a half or so from now. So Right. Mm-hmm. Overwatch is still getting updates. And, 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 you know, unless you really like buying loot boxes, it's only 40 or $60. So it's chugging along. And I, I'm also uh, happy, again, with the deathmatch mode because it makes it so that you don't have to deal with teammates if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the Overwatch gameplay but don't like That seems the... so anti-Overwatch. Yeah, but... I know, I know. <laughs> At least the options there, yeah. Yeah, but the options there. You can't complain about that too much. All right, TB, you done your sandwich? Yeah, yeah, it was quite nice. Uh, so Marvel's <laughs> Capcom Infinite. Uh, that came out today, played a little bit of it. Uh, we, I think quite a few of us tried the demo around E3, and we were not impressed. There was a lot of mocking of Chun-Li's face. What the hell did you do to her face? The story was just... Bleh. And also the roster was very heavy on Disney properties and they cut right. out fan favorites like wolverine and x23 because they're not in current right. disney marvel movies and they went Garbage. hard on guardians of the galaxy like there's at least three guardians of the galaxy characters in the roster and then there's um groot as an assist as well so it's like i don't care that much about guardians so some issues with that. But since then, they have definitely done some stuff with the art style that has made it better. Chun-Li doesn't look like an alien anymore, so that's good. The I don't hate the art style, I'm going to be honest. Like, I never really did, and I think it's definitely better now. What I will say about it is that it's there's a very personal preference idea because Marvel vs. Capcom has had at least three very distinct different art styles, right? And the MVC 1 and 2 was very much the 2D Street Fighter style. And then, of course, you had Marvelous Capcom 3 that went the graphic novel style with uh, big black outlines and everything. I did not like that. Like, I I was not into it. I didn't think it looked that great. But I think this one looks pretty solid, actually. The backgrounds have a lot of detail in them. The stages have a lot of detail. The animations tie nicely to what you're doing it feels snappy it feels crisp and that i think was the most important thing to me that the response time was very very snappy and it definitely feels like it is the transition from 3v3 to 2v2 it's not too bad um, i liked uh, there was a Wii game called tatsunoko versus capcom that was one of the more little known crossovers it was like tatsunoko dodger might know them they're like an anime company i think guess not but yeah, they, they did a bunch of anime and stuff like that, so they did a big crossover there. That was a 2v2 game, and that worked pretty well. And if I recall correctly, the original Marvel vs. Capcom, MVC 1, might have been 2v2 as well. So it works out pretty well, and they've added the Infinity Stones in as a game mechanic. So you get to pick one of the six Infinity Stones when you start the game. And <laughs> They did Speed Racer. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, just a little company that made Speed Racer, you know, just a little I one I don't like recognize that. anybody else in this lineup, but Speed Racer is front and center. That's like. a fairly big deal, <laughs> yeah. 
these are, the Infinity Stones give you a very like spammable ability. Like one gives you a little teleport, one lets you throw out a little lightning beam that if you hit, you siphon life. There's another one's like a homing projectile. And then if you charge Infinity Stone up to full, you can do what's called an Infinity Storm, which makes the background disappear. You're in this giant colored whirlwind and you get a bunch of buffs and crazy shit going on. Outside of that, it's very much a similar Marvelous Capcom gameplay, but it's a lot easier to control. A lot of the characters use very similar... Uh, move inputs so if you can play one of them you can play a lot of them and there's a big there's an auto combo system in the game which for a new player is very good and i was finding i was losing because i wasn't using the auto combo system because mm. i wasn't doing enough damage these guys were auto comboing me in midair and doing six seven eight hit combos and putting a lot of damage and because i wasn't doing that i was just losing the health bar game really uh so what I played of it, though, so far has been good. All the matches have been very lag-free. The netcodes felt good. I will say that because there's no cross-play, which is a huge mistake, and I hope they fix that, on PC, you know, half the times I've queued, I haven't found an opponent. But I have been queuing in Beginner's League, so maybe Ranked might have more. But they've got to get cross-play in. Now, cross-play between PC and PS4 for Street Fighter V is the only thing that kept that fucking thing alive. If they don't do that, that they're going to be in a lot of trouble very quickly. But I think for all the, this got blasted during development. It had some really bad showings at shows. Um, there were accusations of pro gamers being bought off to claim they liked it. The showing at E3 sucked. And of course, along comes Dragon Ball Z Fighters and just shits all over it from a great height. Like, it just looks better. But that game's not out till next year. And some of us don't care about Dragon Ball Z. Sorry to tell you this, but we Blast don't. for me. I don't. I don't give a shit. So I'm probably not going to play a roster fighter that is all Dragon Ball Z characters. I would play it if it was DBZ versus Capcom or something like that, but I wouldn't play it on its own. Uh, but this this so far has felt really good. It worked instantly with my hitbox and all my control inputs were right right off the bat. That's a blessing. Don't have to spend now fucking around with that. So I think it's a pretty decent fighting game. Like it's more it's more accessible than a lot of the recent Capcom fighters. The content it's got is a bit shaky. But it's not, you know, they have a story mode, which fucking Street Fighter V didn't at launch, so at least there's that. Um, so it's not too bad. You know, I think a lot of the pre-release hate was just that. It was a bandwagon. And it's turned out to be a pretty solid fighter so far. In my first hour or so of play, I've liked it quite a bit. Hmm. That's good. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Uh, did you play the story mode at all? I only played the story mode in the demo, which was crap. Um, Ooh, the story mode is a thing that needs to be seen. It needs its yeah. own riff track, is what it needs. Is it, it that is, bad? It is. I will say, shout out to the dude who plays Tony Stark for really trying to sound like Robert Downey Jr. He does. He yeah, I, I played Iron Man in the multiplayer. I was like, that is really, really yeah. close. Yeah. Yes, the voice acting is like the most hit or miss thing in the world. And sometimes, I'm going to say this now. I know the internet's going to come down on me. I love Ashley Birch. I think she's wonderful. Why would the end that come down to that? Steve Bloom of video games. They don't, she can do ranges. They're literally just be yourself. And so Chun-Li's Ashley Birch, which is like, oh, that's just Ashley Birch. Like, do a voice. Do a thing. Be, be, be a voice actor. It drives me crazy. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Now, that happens to every good ad. Remember, she was Tiny Tina back in the day. She can, girl can do voices and kill it. And they're like, no, 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 just do the Aloy thing now. And that's like, same with Steve. Like, 
great release. Like all these voice actors who are known for like the one voice now, it kills me. Cause like, I, I heard you're yeah. real. I know you awesome. Yeah. Be awesome. Come on yeah. companies. You gotta be careful not to fall into the Jennifer Hale or Steve Blum trap right. where you're instantly recognizable because you do the same voice over and over. Mm. We're more aware of that these days. Thanks to YouTube, you know, you can see a lot more of games than you otherwise would and IMDB keeps full track of that. And people are like, oh, what's that? Oh, I know who that person is now. People actually recognize voice actors. So yeah, you gotta watch yeah. out for that. Watch and, out. and it's it, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like they're not bad. I'm not complaining that they're bad no, voice no. actors. They're so good, in fact, that companies are like lazy as shit they're like oh well they can they can do this just yeah. be yourself and it's like right, yeah but they right. have a range like put them to work make them do cool shit and we don't get that anymore it sucks but well, whatever that reminds me of uh nolan north as the ghost like yep. I, I know nolan got a lot of shit for being almost the same character and voice in a few different games but i don't really net recognize it in um in destiny 2 when he plays the ghost like doesn't sound like default nolan north so i appreciate that right like watching them try to take on things like the joker right like i'm gonna try and like doing things that you would not expect we're like oh shit that's awesome is great and i love to see when voice actors actually get to voice act and it's not just like oh yes it's me the person you've known from every game and yeah. I think voice except with a different body and it's like oh and it's not their fault it's whoever's directing them's fault but whatever fuck right. it that's my, right. that's my place so, uh, just one last thing about Marvel's Capcom Infinite. The Collector's Edition shipped, and people were very disappointed. Uh, so, the Collector's Edition, $200 Collector's Edition, was supposed to come up with these replica light-up Infinity Stones. Looked like it came in a really nice chest, and they were very nice models. Well, the fucking things arrived, and they're basically fucking Easter eggs. Like, people posted photos of them. They look nothing like oh, the render. Multiple eggs. Uh, it's actually such a... People are so pissed about it. I, I tweeted about it. Uh, it's under uh, a Twitter <laughs> moment thing. They look like absolute shit. They look really, really bad. Uh, so whoever bought that and got little Kinder eggs instead of you know, the $200 good replicas you were supposed to get, and it looks nothing like that. I mean, that's a, that's a fucking suing situation. Oh. I'm gonna link this to chat. Look the render. Look, look at that render. Chat. Look at look at that link. It has both what people got and what was supposedly what you're gonna get. That oh is. Oh my god, I'm so ready. Oh, Not it's awful. It's so awful. Um, I'll see if I can bring this up on the screen for you. Wow. It's just <laughs> even the stands that were like Iron Man and Captain Marvel. Like even those are low, mm. like shittier versions of what you would have got. Yeah. So that at the top is what you, that was the promo image of what you were supposed to get. And those like those infinity stones, I was tempted because those infinity stones, le they look great. That would be the perfect yeah. little piece. And this is what you got. What a piece <laughs> of shit. They're not even the right colors. Two of them look exactly the same. They're both blue. Say, the colors are all off and everything. God damn. Holy yeah, shit, but, that's funny. But, but was there chocolate inside? No, or? there was no chocolate. <laughs> you can't remove them. Well, they are awful. Yeah, wow. that's a that's a class action lawsuit waiting to happen right there. I would sue for that. Absolutely. Go to it's a two hundred dollar collector's edition. You deserve that money back in small claims. Fuck that. That's terrible. That's crazy. I'm so awful. I this is one of the few collector's editions I was like, I might shell out for this because I love me I'm some so glad I did gauntlet sagas. And those look fucking terrible. <laughs> I am really wow. glad I did not. Just awful. Uh, one last thing I'd like to throw out there, just a couple of minutes on this one before we go to a break and then come back with what little news there is and do some releases. 
the guys behind Kingdom Rush. A lot of us, uh, Dodge, you play Kingdom Rush. Jesse, I think you play Kingdom Rush. I love it. Good game, good game. They decided we're going to make an RTS, and we're going to make it a little touchscreen RTS, and they called Ooh. it Iron Marines, and they're and a lot of people are comparing it to the StarCraft of, like, a touchscreen. It's okay. so good. Really mm. good. It's a s mostly single-player, but it has multiplayer as well. Real-time strategy. Oh, style and everything, too! Yep. Yep. That looks cool. Super cool. Iron, Iron Marines. Marines. Yeah. Uh, so it uses the exact same Kingdom Rush art style with the little dinky dudes. But, of course, they're in, like, full power armor and shit like that as well. And it looks great like the art style is really colorful um there's it almost reminds me of awesome noughts in many ways but yeah i was gonna say it reminds me of a lot of awesome nuts yeah you're getting a lot I, of that from it i love i can generally say i play very few games on my phone slash ipad that i never use <laughs> but like kingdom rush one two frontiers yeah are phenomenal like i love tower defense shits and i love this game already i'm in i want to play this shit yep. so it's, badly this looks really cool yeah jen played it and loved it i uh, said you know it's very much like if you've played kingdom rush you kind of get the idea you know you take little hub areas and then you spawn your units but it's it is an rts and you have these heroes that level up and gain different abilities so you control awesome. your hero plus the supporting units and you know it's definitely got a lot of nods to starcraft and starship troopers and stuff in there but the colors it's so colorful and it looks mm. so good and it controls really well it's just like drag uh, you know, it's just drag the touchscreen to do shit. Mm. It's great. Yeah. It's five bucks. Um, it, they've done the same thing they did with Kingdom Rush, where their microtransactions are you can unlock new heroes, but you don't need them. Like, you get a bunch of heroes right, right off never, the bat you anyway. You never needed to do the microtransactions no, in the you previous didn't. games. You never needed to. Yeah, like, you can buy power-ups, but that's, well, if you want to cheat, I guess, but it doesn't affect the multiplayer in any way. So I don't, I'm not too, like, offended by it. It's... Mm. It's a good $5 RTS with a big campaign that works really well on a touchscreen. That's cool. I like it. It's very good. You know, just like, and as I said, if, you, if you're a bit worried about the microtransactions, look at what Kingdom Rush did. If you were okay with that, you'll be okay with this. If you weren't okay with that, then of course, you know, maybe avoid it. You said but, there's multiplayer, but the microtransactions don't affect it? Nah, basically, um, it's only like the hero you choose, and you get a bunch of those for free anyway, and you can lock okay. them for the game. It just lets you like unlock one quicker, if you like. And really, you can build the same units, it's just your hero has like different abilities. That's okay. pretty much it. And they, they seem though. pretty well balanced. Awesome. It's great. Yeah, it's good. Really good. All right, then. Uh, we're going to go for a quick break. When we come back, we'll have a look at what news there is. Not a huge amount, but... A couple of things that are worth talking about, and then we'll look through the releases. I've been spending the last couple of hours looking at this release list and picking a few things out that look pretty cool, as have the rest of my hosts as well, and we will trudge through the bullshit for you. That is our job. You're watching the Co-Optional <laughs> Podcast. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hit the orange button. Yay! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. To wrap up the news and the releases, we're going to just dive right in. So there's a couple of shows that we hadn't had the chance to talk about yet because one of them happened after we'd aired, which was Nintendo Direct, and the other one sort of happening about now, which is the Tokyo Game Show, of course. So we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to discuss in brief the recent update that was just posted on the Steam blog about user reviews that just came out about 20 minutes ago. Oh so hot off the presses, review bombing and all that sort of things. But let's start with the Nintendo Direct and what came out of that. So I think the biggest surprise for a lot of people, of course, was that Doom is coming and Wolfenstein 2 also coming to Switch, showing that Bethesda's commitment to the console obviously goes beyond just porting Skyrim to it. A lot of people are like, wow, an M-rated game. 
I mean, that's not actually as uncommon as you think it is. Like, the Wii had quite a lot of M-rated games. You had things like Mad World. You had No More Heroes and all sorts of things like that. And while Bayonetta 2 was not an M-rated game, it was at the, its first, the first one was, if I recall correctly, and the second one was certainly getting close to it. So it's not like Nintendo has shied away from M-rated in their history. Right. I don't know why they've got that it's reputation nice recently. do it, though. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's good. I'll be interested in... It's just a case of, like, it's nice to see third parties saying, oh, portability is a selling point. Let's make our games portable because there's now a system that people can buy that does that. That's good for everybody. I don't, I won't play Doom on the Switch. I don't have any interest in that, but there are definitely other games that I certainly would play on the Switch. Is there anything that stood out to any of you from the Nintendo Direct that was particularly interesting? Jesse, I Uh, think there was some Fire Emblem stuff. Octopath Traveler. Octopath, yes. Oh, I played. I played some of that. Just a that game is going to be the hotness. I can't wait. Um, so why is that? Yeah, in the demo, you can play either the um, you can play the the dancer. I want to say, or you can play the knight or warrior or whatever he's called. Each there are lots of different characters that you can play the game as, and each one of them has a completely different storyline. Um, and uh, they all have like a really strong ability. So if you, I started playing as the knight and his ability is he can challenge anyone in the game to a duel and kill them, including like old ladies in town. So you can, in the starting area, you could go to every single person in that town and be like, I challenge you to a duel and they have to say yes. <laughs> it's um, so funny. So just, can we give some context to people that don't know what this game is uh, as to what all that's about? Like what, what kind of game is it? What genre? Um, oh, it's an it, RPG. It's an RPG <laughs> and it's done in a 2D, 3D art style. So the sprites are like Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy V sprites. But the world is like this 3D. It is visually stunning. It looks mm. awesome. And then the game itself, ha- the gameplay is like active time battle, turn-based battles. And then the uh, story, I don't know much about the story, but I know that there are multiple characters and each character has a different um, way you can play the game. And the way, to, like the dancer, I believe the dancer is just like flirting. <laughs> is that like her ability, I think? She can charm people, yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of different ways of playing it. It reminds me, we were just talking about this the other day, and I can't remember, and I'm hoping chat will back, like, give me an answer to this. There was an old game that, the way the game played is, you it was an RPG where you play as one character, and when you died, you play the game, you wouldn't get, like, continued. You That character would be dead for good, and then you play the game from another perspective of another character. And I cannot remember the name of that game, but it was an old PlayStation game. And we were just talking about the other day. But like, I I like that it has huh. that kind of vibe to it. Where it's like, you're experiencing this world through different eyes every time you play as a different character. Mm-hmm. If there's a lot There's a lot here that seems really cool. Isn't uh, Octopath... Did I hear the Octopath game was made by the AM Setsuna guys? Or was I mistaken on that? No, it's not that. Oh, that most, that's yeah. something else they're making, isn't it? All right. Cool. Yeah, no, that's that's Lost Sphere. I think uh, is the name of that one. Yes, yes, right. that was the one. Yeah, yeah. and that one's that mm. one's a ton of fun too. That's a super cool game. Uh, it plays just like I am Setsuna. Okay. Uh, anything else that caught your eye during Nintendo I Direct? I even remember what they said during. Oh, uh, there was new Pokemans, a bunch of new Pokemans, and um, what else? God, what else was there? Yeah, it wasn't a massively noteworthy show. 
There was like no huge announcement. Like, you know, when when a port of a two-year-old FPS is the biggest news of your show, it's probably not a very big show. <laughs> oh, new Kirby game. Ah, Where's yes. That for anybody who yeah. loves Kirby. It was a weird one. Uh, they um, Star Allies. Or? Yeah, my Mega Star Allies or something like that. They're porting this. Apparently, I've never heard of this damn thing. There's a really popular Chinese League of Legends clone, and I say that because you look at the two things, they look almost identical. That apparently is getting ported to Switch. It's super popular in China, and they're bringing that to Switch, which is weird, obviously, because the controls would be hard to do. I don't know exactly what the name is. All I know is the name was very similar to League of Legends. So, <laughs> But apparently they're bringing that, and that's going to be a pretty big deal for the Asian territories. Um, the Kirby I game love... is Kirby Battle Royale, right. just to add on to our Battle Royale conversation. From sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> the 3DS Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga Plus has Bowser's Minions added on to it, where you play the game through as a Goomba, which yeah. I think is awesome. Um, yeah, little things like that I think are cool. I don't know. Uh, I, there's a lot of uh, talk about Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but I could literally care less. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else? When's, was uh, when's Skyrim that? coming out? <laughs> when's Skyrim releasing? <laughs> why do, you, do I why Skyrim? do you care? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Portable Skyrim up. I'll, I'll, I'll try that. You can already do that. Like, There's a bunch of devices <laughs> that can run that damn thing. Skyrim no, of Warriors comes out. Oh, oh, it comes out right when I leave. That's gonna be my plain game. All right, I got it. Uh-huh. I just right. mostly, I just mostly think it's funny that you can utter the sentence, "When is Skyrim releasing?" <laughs> in 2017. <laughs> when is the TI-86 calculator version coming out? Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, I think that our safe conclusion on that one is the Nintendo Direct didn't really do anything because we're struggling to come up with anything. So let's move on. Jesse, you were getting all excited over TGS this morning, I believe. Yeah, Tokyo Game Show. Uh, last night, overnight, a bunch of news came out uh, from the Sony press conference, and everyone like lost their shit because a lot of interesting things were announced. Um, right off the bat, playable right now, Final Fantasy IX is re-released for PlayStation 4, and it's like updated and everything. Like That's crazy. It's out now, and okay, no one cool. had a clue. So that exists already. Um, the We got a new trailer for Shadow of Colossus PS4. So that is a phenomenal game, and I can't wait to play the uh, remaster, remake, or whatever. There, yeah, I guess it's a remake, not a remaster. So that's gonna be dope as fuck. Um, then we got uh, Zone of Enders. They're doing a VR-supported remaster, which okay. Um, <laughs> and speaking of VR, they're doing this is another okay. They're doing Neko Atsume cat collecting sim PS- VR in VR. Now, I know of this game because everyone in this office, everyone in this office plays that goddamn thing. And I now haven't played it in over a year, but yes. And then, um, you know, things like Dragon's Crown and Dissidia. But the thing that, that really blew people away, uh, besides Monster Hunter has a release date, which is January 26th. And uh, everyone was like freaking out over that because that game is going to be the tits. Uh, the big thing people are, are interested in, and no one really knows what this is going to be. Uh, there is a game called Left Alive. Yep. It's a survival action shooter by the Armor Core director and the guy who did all the character designs for Metal Gear, uh, Yoji Shinkawa, I think his name is. Like, literally, it's a, it's like the guys who worked on Metal Gear and Xenoblade Chronicles X, I think, are working yep. on this. And the trailer doesn't really show anything. 
I don't know what the hell this game is going to be, but the artwork for the, the, the poster looks like a Metal Gear game. So, like, people are losing their minds over this, and it could Intriguing. be something really special. So I have no clue what's happening. But it's the Tokyo Game Show, and this is the time every year where they show, like, fucking crazy shit, and people are just like, what? So oh, I'll tell you something that they announced, which has flown under the radar quite a bit. Dragon's Crown Pro. So they're porting Dragon's Crown to PS4. 4K, that game in 4K is going to be fucking gorgeous. Those are going to be some boobies. And honestly, the, the game had frame rate problems on both the systems it was released on initially, PS3 and on PS Vita. So I will buy Dragon's Crown happily on PS4 Pro and some lovely 4K Dragon's Crown action. Yep, I'm all in on yeah. that. Sounds great. And I think it makes, especially for people who don't give a shit about Monster Hunter, because that comes out the day before Monster Hunter comes out. So if you don't give yeah. a shit that's about Monster Hunter, that's gonna be your jam. Oh yeah, J January twenty fifth. Yeah, so that's uh, that is quite the quite the length of time. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, they're doing but, uh, a Zone of Enders remaster with VR support as well. Apparently, I'm hoping we'll get some more news as time goes on this week of releases and things coming out from TGS. But yeah, well, we'll definitely I'm hear excited. about more than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the problem is, is, is for us, it's while we're all sleeping. So yeah, if you wake yeah. up comes out of nowhere. Like, oh, what? So. But it's it's awesome. TGS is. I've always wanted to go. I hear it's wild as shit. I've I've always wanted to go experience it. Yeah, they did a new announcement for Earth Defense Force. Um, is there one? Uh, it's a new game. Out. Yeah. So uh, it, seven hours ago, Earth Defense Force Iron Rain was announced. It sure is trailer. a yes. There is. There's an announcement trailer for it. Let me see if I can pull that up on YouTube. If they happen to have it, they probably have it somewhere. I could show you. It looks like it's a spin-off of some sort because they're already working on new EDF. Uh, so it looks like there's something a bit different about this one. Let's have a quick gander. Yep, that. People are saying it's supposed to be a serious one. I don't believe it. I uh, I also kind of hope not because that sounds really boring. Uh, <laughs> it certainly looks a lot more serious, but. Yeah, so this is the trailer. Obviously, this is all, like, pre-rendered, so... I just want to see the combat. Yeah, let's go, trailer. Oh, my yeah. God. You got the little angel ladies? Yeah. Yeah, wing divers. Yep, they're in there. Okay. Yep, that does look a little more serious, as you were saying. But you're still fighting giant cockroaches and sure. ants and shit, so... I'll wait and see what happens, because all the trailers seemed very over-the-top and serious. It definitely looks a lot better, you know. They're obviously using a yep. new engine there and some new effects. It still looks like a lot of fun. Wow, aim down sights. That's new. I haven't seen that in an EDF game <laughs> before. Uh, so it looks, cool. it looks all right. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I hope they don't go super serious with it because that would ruin the whole fucking thing, in my opinion. It's a giant crazy B movie where you fight giant space ants with huge yeah. guns. So the charm of it of how ridiculous it was. Yeah, so I'm not hugely keen on them going super serious with it. I just kind of hope that they decide not to do. It. I'm seeing if there's any other details on it. Uh, yeah. Although you still can get in mechs and shit, which looks yeah. awesome. It's got all the vehicles. Yeah, the only thing yeah. otherwise we know that it's on a new engine and it's kind of shiny. So we'll see. See how it turns out. I think that's about it for the Tokyo Game Show. So moving on, uh, this is hot off the presses. Uh -oh. So there's been quite a lot of controversy last few weeks about review bombing. So people have been bringing up the subject because it's been it's something that's been happening for quite some time uh, on both Metacritic and on Steam. And recently, of course, we have seen it with Firewatch. So Steam has obviously heard enough to respond to it. And there's a big blog post out right now. I'm going to send it to you so you guys can read it about what they're planning on doing about it. And I've read the whole thing and it seems like a very Valve way of doing it. I think it's a pretty good way of doing it. So they discuss in detail 
look, what is review bombing? Now, review bombing is where a bunch of people deliberately go and rate a game badly for some reason. And what they do is then they upvote all of the reviews that agree with them and downvote all the ones that don't. Uh, so you end up having a review, you know, the user reviews just covered in negativity very quickly for a game. And sometimes it's review bombing for very legitimate reasons. For The Chinese really like to review bomb games that don't get proper Chinese translations around launch. And they've actually used it successfully to apply pressure to companies to get those Mandarin translations out quickly. So that obviously worked. That's good. That's a consumer activism for good. Uh, when games make really shitty changes, there's a lot of review bombing goes on there. And sometimes we see companies respond to that and fix them. That's also good. Then there are some times when review bombs happen for reasons that really have nothing to do with the game. Uh, which is what Firewatch is. You know, Fire Firewatch's gameplay has nothing to do with the current controversy. It's irrelevant. So a lot of devs have been a bit pissy about this, saying, oh, well, it's not fair that our game gets slammed for this. And then, of course, consumers are fired back saying, we well, have the right to express our opinions. And you damn right you do if you're a paying customer. So this blog discusses all like the options like well we turned score off you know i was really disappointed they didn't just decide to do this like if we took score out of the equation it would fix it It was like yes and they're like we're not going to do that oh <laughs> god damn it if you actually did that and force people because they're like this will force people to read the reviews what a shocking concept but apparently they don't want to do that okay so they said well maybe we let devs temporarily shut down reviews well that's a really bad idea because obviously yeah, right. if you make a fuck your game up and then shut your review section down people can't complain about it that's terrible right so that's they said no we're not doing that so what they've decided to do is they have decided instead to do something which they said they were going to do when i went to have a meeting with them they were very big in this whole big data idea they want to show what's inside the black box that was kind of that's their terminology not mine because mm. that makes me slightly nauseous to hear. But they, <laughs> they want, they've got all this data and they want to show it to the user in a way that the user is informed and educated with it and can use it to, in useful ways. And sites like Steam Spy could do analysis on it, figure things out. What they said is, we're now going to put the, a histogram of the game's ratings on the page with the game. So it shows the number of reviews over time and how many were positive and how many were negative. And the goal is to allow Steam viewers, especially over time, like say, you know, in a few months, all this shit about Firewatch will probably be forgotten. Is there still going to be negative reviews dropping on it or not? Probably not. People have moved on to the next drama. So mm -hmm. someone is now going to be able to see a few months ago some bullshit happened, but it's probably irrelevant now. And that's also relevant for games that make a mess on a patch. People review bomb the game because the patch was bad. And then they're like, oh, sorry, guys, we're going to fix it. And then the reviews go up again. So I think this is a very sensible approach. I think this is maybe the most sensible approach they can do without, you know, getting into the arguments of restricting consumer free speech and the ability of consumers who paid money for the game to complain about the game that they bought. What do you guys reckon about this whole situation and review bombing in general? Did you happen to see if that's going to replace the mostly positive, mostly negative like spectrum thing? Or is no. it just in addition to it? It's in addition to it. Okay. So there's a little screenshot of how it's going to work. Like overall reviews or recent reviews are going to have that mostly positive, very positive thing. And then over time, it's going to have this histogram showing the bars of like, oh, you know, which days did this happen? How many reviews were there over time? And all that kind of thing. Right. Uh, I think that 
Yeah, I think that's a very good option. I think it's very sensible. Empower the consumer with that data because the problem with yeah. review bombing to me is that it makes reviews less useful to consumers because all this shit might be about something nobody cares about. You know, it has nothing to do with the game and that makes user reviews worthless. I guess yeah. I guess the tough part's going to be people are going to see this. They're going to see this what, histogram is what it's called. Yeah. And they're going to have to like... Unless Steam surfaces recent trending topics on the game to coincide with dates where review bombing is happening, people will see this and then they're going to have to research why it happened. Is it because the game became shit or is it because of some internet uh, war against the developer? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like, I guess it adds an extra level of complexity, but that's only if people want to get that information. So... Yeah, some people just don't care, you know. Uh, even just looking at the histogram, if you see, well, there were a bunch of negative reviews three months ago, but it's getting positive reviews now, that's kind of all the information you'd need. And really, yeah. if you're going to drop 60 bucks on a game, you really should be researching it a bit. Let's be honest. Yeah, I I just appreciate that in the end they were like, you guys are smart, right? Like, we don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to make like it idiots. so that people can't do whatever they're gonna do we just make it so that you have more information to base your purchase off of yes i I appreciate that yeah i think it's a good way to do it you know silencing the ability of consumers on the store to provide reviews isn't so good there is one thing i would like to see added so when you refund a game your review by the way stays on the page now i don't want that taken away but i would like that a review to be marked with user refunded the game because right. it's possible for a bunch of people to brigade a game, all 1,000 people buy the game on zero hours or whatever, review bomb the shit out of it, and then refund it. That's imminently abusable. Like, those reviews should be flagged as these guys refunded it, and then you can clearly see zero for hours sure. refunded, when in that case you didn't even play it. Your review's not worth shit. Uh, so I'd like to see that. I think that's the only real problem with it. Everything else I think looks really, really good about this. I, I like this it, idea. It does always say on a review how many hours the person played though right it does yes and so some people pay attention hours, to that then <laughs> usually yes the, the problem is though if, if if people review bomb it enough to go to negative um no one's going through and manually checking all those reviews and the yeah. number of hours attached to those reviews right. you know what i mean oh, they just I look yeah. at that all the time <laughs> i look well, at the amount of hours that people play games all almost the time. nobody <laughs> yeah no but i guess my point is like yeah you'll probably scroll through and read a few but if there are like thousands of reviews on a review bomb that recently tanked a game's overall score most people aren't going to check all reviews and no they'll probably see the, the highest rated ones uh, yeah. but i think i think it's this is more of a long-term strategy because as i said like a few months down the line no one's gonna remember this firewatch shit and mm. When someone goes to buy Firewatch, they're going to clearly see on that graph there was some bullshit that happened three months ago, but the game's getting positive reviews again now. And now applies to any game that fucks up with a patch and does something that that people don't like, and it gets yeah. bombed for that legitimately. That is a legitimate form of consumer protest. I'm never going to say otherwise. The main concern I've got with it is that if you misuse it, then you're making reviews less useful for everybody. This, I think, is a this is about the valviest Valve solution I've ever seen. But you know what? In this case, I think they're right. That's a good way to do it. In general, I think it goes back to how, at times, worthless user reviews can be because of the motivations behind people who tend to leave reviews in the first place. If it's not like a professional thing, you know? Right. 
It's like it's like reviews on Yelp. It's like, yeah, they're going to be mostly shit because it's only the pissed off people who leave that. So, yeah, yeah. it's but you still need them, you know. Right, for sure. Like, here's an example. I actually wanted to talk about this this week, even though it's nothing to do with video games. Did any of you watch the first episode of The Orville? No. No. Okay, one do, uh, especially if you're into Star Trek. Secondly, this is one of the biggest massive examples between a massive disconnect between the critics and the users i have ever seen go if you check out metacritic or rotten tomatoes right now this this show is like 70 percent critical rating on rotten tomatoes but it's user scores like in the 80s and 90s metacritic it's 36 user score 8.1 there is a huge difference they uh, and you read the reviews and you see the user reviews, they wanted something that was like Star Trek with the optimism of Star Trek, but with kind of, instead of everybody being paragons of humanity, being kind of more regular Joes. That's what the Orville is. And me, as a fucking Star Trek fan, as much as I can be a fan of anything, you know, and the Enterprise is still shit, but, you know, that show, that show aside and its stupid theme song, this is the most Star Trekky Star Trek show that wasn't Star Trek that I've ever seen. Mm. It's... Seriously like that, but the critics hammered the shit out of it. Like, they were calling it self-indulgent and self-congratulatory. And it's like, it's a vanity project. I'm like, what has that got anything to do with the show? Like, it doesn't matter. It's like, it doesn't work as comedy. It's not a comedy show. It's just, <laughs> it's a sci-fi show with some jokes. Thank fuck it's not right. Family Guy in space. It would suck. I love this show. I absolutely mm. love the premiere. It was exactly what I wanted. It's like, this is Star Trek through and through, but this time they've got a crew of people who, you know, they're not following strict protocol and military discipline, and they're the best that humanity has to offer. They're on a mid-level ship, they're kind of good at their jobs mostly, and they're trying their best. That's the show, in a nutshell. Right. And it's great for that. It's great. But you see that massive disconnection between those two things, and that, in those situations, that's where user score is useful. But I think it also comes down to that show's marketing. That show was, like, promoted as a comedy. Which they should not have done, because it isn't. It's totally not. It's got some jokes in it. It's not the main thing at all. Fox fucked up the marketing of that entirely. But I think that this show is going to get a bit of a cult following, because the word of mouth amongst people that like Star Trek and sci-fi are going to say, no, this isn't a comedy, this is totally Star Trek with regular Joes. That's the show. The and it's, it's good Fox. at that. So yeah. it'll, yeah. it'll maybe get a season, and then they'll cancel it, because... Fox. I know. I know. And it would suck, because I really enjoyed the, the premiere episode. I would recommend everyone check it out on Hulu. If you've got Hulu, go check it out. You might be okay. pleasantly surprised by how good that show is. like to hear back from you next week what you think. But yeah, We're currently um, finally watching Rick and Morty, which is a fantastically oh right. nihilistic, awful show, and yes. we love it. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. My son watches it. I'm not... that. don't know. I might watch it at some point. <laughs> That show is hella dark, man, and I love it. Every yeah. single episode, I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I want so. that. Like, I found that with BoJack Horseman. Like, I was, like, about halfway through the first season. I'm like, you know what? I'm actually, I don't want to watch this. This is too depressing. That's what JP was saying. I was talking with JP about it, and he was like, I actually fucking hate BoJack Horseman because mm. it's just so depressing, and, like, I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, at least Rick and Morty is constantly cracking jokes versus something like black mirror it's like oh wow the future looks horrible <laughs> yeah i know you gotta be in the right frame of mind to watch black mirror i love black mirror but holy fuck yeah 
Dude, I I haven't I've only watched the first couple of episodes of that show because it was so it just like put me in a terrible frame of mind. And Kristen was like, no, 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 there's one episode that you have to watch that's actually like an okay episode and it's really positive. And I was like, I don't believe Uh, you. It's one. Awesome. It's like where I bailed on um breaking bad because it was it's too stressful i can't yeah. handle it anymore <laughs> it's yeah. just too much sometimes when when people were telling me about black mirror they were billing it as like a modern day twilight zone i was like twilight zone was fun to watch nah, this is it was not more like fun. our limits it's not twilight zone. <laughs> it's our limits yeah. no. way more serious way more dark uh twilight zone was b movie our way limits. more grounded in like potential reality right too, that's yeah. where which that, is yeah. what fr- is freaky about it yeah, yeah it's fucking scary i don't want to like oh my gosh there's the a lady who's being attacked by aliens but holy shit the aliens were us the whole time like uh, it's well, never that or this yeah. like in, in the ins- like the enslaved uh, forced to watch ads episode oh god like so incredibly depressing the fucking social media episode where you literally rate your interactions with people and your rating determines what houses you can have and uh, yeah. who you're oh god it's like that could it's, fucking happen it's that's too real that's, uh, that's half real. the way here already uh, fuck me to, remember the guy who just wanted to read a book <laughs> all the time of the world oh, and, all the, and his glasses broke now that's an episode oh yeah. that was horrible <laughs> and I all the time that. of the world i remember that it was awful you mean great yes and there's, great there's, but there's, also there's, some, there's something on the wing those were great shows <laughs> there was something on the wing, um, on the wing. i think it was, um, i think the episode that i think the episode of old twilight zone that fucked me up the most was the one where the guy found the stopwatch that could stop time and he was like holy shit i can steal whatever i want and so he goes on like this bender stealing everybody's shit and he has so much stuff in his arms that he drops the watch and it breaks and he can never like oh, start time again yeah and so he's like the end of the episode is him desperately trying to get people to respond to him and they can't because they're frozen forever and i was like <laughs> you know what needs to return we need tales from the crypt back that was Dude, a good I show i'd be so happy to see <laughs> that i love one. the crypt greetings oh i think they could totally do a nice modern spin on that, that yeah really that'd well. be great it, was, it has um, to be just as campy and silly yes. yeah. as it was. Absolutely. But maybe if, like, throw a little bit of edge in there just to see what you can do with it. You can still have it be campy and silly because yeah, Black Mirror like is to some extent as well. One earring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's totally or two, edgy. E- two earrings. Ooh, 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 two. Nah. He has a nose ring. Like, hello it's me the crypt keeper i've got a nose ring now <laughs> i'm hip with the kids <laughs> I'll, I mean, was, I'll, I'll take a return of goosebumps even i don't care whatever you're like 35 it's like come and, on and i watched goosebumps as a kid and i'd like to see a new updated version i'm of not it. sure it would hold up <laughs> i don't think it would <laughs> R.L. Stein, let him know I'd like to see more Goosebumps. <laughs> let me choose um, my own adventure, please. God. <laughs> I never watched Goosebumps or read the books, but I did love Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, go back. Oh, yeah. Go back, watch Goosebumps, and recognize that there are a lot of famous actors in those. Really? Like, really? People who became really. Ryan Gosling isn't one of the things. Like, straight up, just like, oh, yeah. Go back and watch those and get your mind fucking blown. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? 
I just love the intro, bump, 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 bump. And then like, there's like a lab in an attic. Like as a kid, I was terrified. I watched it as an adult. I'm like, it's just a cute dog, like with glowy eyes. What's the big deal? <laughs> All right, there's let's uh, get off oh. of this subject because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we have 10 <laughs> minutes to do. We have the releases to do. And this is completely off topic. We're not going any further here. Okay, All fine. Right. We have indulged well, enough for this show. Thank you very much. Um, okay, well, releases, ladies for, and gentlemen. Yeah, for today, September 19th. Um, there's a game called Mystic Melee that looks kind of cool. It's a, it's a platformer and there are lots of different characters and the trailer looks fun. Like all the different characters that you can choose from have different like abilities and stuff. Yeah. It looks all uh, right. I, that looks kind of interesting. Is it like a battle? Do you fight each other? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, good. So I'm glad we know very little about that. Fight and Rage looks like a, a brawler. A yeah, side that yeah, cool. that looked pretty cool. Definitely, uh, if you're into into your streets of rage, I mean, the influence is fucking obvious in it on this Obviously. one. But uh, yeah, it's called Fight and Rage, and it's getting some pretty positive reception so far. Old school side school, uh, old school side school, whatever the fuck mm -hmm. that is. Uh, also, one of the characters a giant bull. Uh, Co-op mode with up to three players and multiple paths. That's my jam. I, the art style looks really nice. It's very uh, crisp, colorful. They got that fake CRT thing going on, which I hope I can turn off. But hey, there was that. Mm. Uh, there was a couple of other things that came out today that looked interesting. One, Echo. Um, this looks pretty interesting. It's kind of a sci-fi. They're just calling it a sci-fi adventure, but it looks like a kind of sci-fi stealth action-y kind of thing with an interesting UI. And wow! Oh, visually it looks cool. Yeah, look at the look at the way it's like almost like a little bit of super hot and a little bit of Deus Ex in there for good measure. Um, definitely looks like there's some stealth action shit going on. Interesting, yeah. Hmm. You create echoes, exact copies of you in every way that can behave like you and only do the things you do. So the play the way you play the game shapes your enemy. If you sprint, soon mm. the echoes will get faster. So the echoes, I guess you fight the echoes. So that and the enemy's going to change and adapt to what you do. Hmm. Dude, this game looks crazy. It does. Cool I am gonna I'm gonna go check this out. There's another one that came out today that slipped right under the radar, which is by the guys that make Grow Home. It's called Atomega, published by Ubisoft. And this time around they decided to make a sort of first person multiplayer arena shooter kind of thing with uh, these customizable robots that you build out of blocks. I have a game. <laughs> Next game. You have a video um, game for us. Is it a yeah, real video game? There's a game called uh, The Caribbean Sail, and it's like Oregon Trail, except you're crossing the Atlantic. Yeah, it was that was supposed to be out last week. We covered it then. Was it? I yeah. don't remember it. Yeah. It was just passing mention. Those games that are way, it's keep cute. getting released every week. Yeah. yeah, they get pushed back, <laughs> so they end up on the damn release list again. But uh, last week, did we talk about deep, dark fantasies? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> We did not. I don't know that we're going to talk about this week. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not going to give promotion to that <laughs> shit. Uh, okay, fantasies. fine. Dugger, uh, you became me for a minute. What happened? I mean, it's a game where a bunch game. of dudes are in bondage wrestling each other. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's that. Uh, anything else came out? 
Uh, I saw, yeah, there are a bunch of boob games. I don't know if Jesse's bringing those up. Which we're not covering. Where are those at? What are they called? No. Love, it's the same it's bullshit. Love. You know love, that. Love. We it's, talked it's about just, that last week. It's just all shitty <laughs> visual novels. Like, if you come up with a boob game that's interesting, we'll cover it. But I am sick to death of like, ooh, boobs. Again, another 20 games with that <laughs> in it. <laughs> I'll, ne I'll never say that. I'll never right. say that. Is, you can get boobs? way better porn on the internet. <laughs> don't spend money on any of this shit. You have my word. Get some real boobs. There are plenty available on the internet for free. You do not I need to pay for them. I will never say ooh boobs. You have my word. I'm sure there are some situations where you would, and we could find them I for will you. never, never in a million years. Um, Assetto Corsa Ferrari 70th anniversary pack comes out today. If you happen to be into the racing sim genre, that is one of them, certainly. Uh, is there anything else good out today on PC? I think that was pretty much it for PC, okay. mostly. Um, for your console releases, ports of the uh, Big Burly Men at Sea for PS4 and Vita, um, Afterbirth Plus, Binding of Isaac for PS4, Thimbleweed Park is on iPhone, Switch, and Android today, and Blackguards 2 is on PS4. And it looks like we're also getting Shopkeep on PS4 as well, which some people quite liked. Hmm. Yep, so that's the release for September the 19th. September the um, 20th. On the 20th, there's a game called Grave Chase. Grave Chase. That looks fun. Yeah. Okay, let's have a quick gander at that. Okay, so why is it? Why does that look fun then? I don't know. It just looks fun to me. Two retro okay. 2D horror action adventure game. Yeah. You're swipe. You're swiping at shits. <laughs> okay. And you're in a. And you're in a. And you're in a. In Graveyard by any chance? God damn it. I was it. looking what? for the word cemetery. <laughs> Do we need to, re to reboot you? Is there something wrong with you today? Yeah. God damn it. I, uh, there was something here today that looked kind of cool. Uh, can I even remember what it was? Obviously, it didn't look that cool if I can't remember it. Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, the um, the beta of uh, the version of Maud Howe is coming out, uh, which mm. for some reason I don't think is on Steam right now, but... That is the we're gonna be a better chivalry game. Hmm. Right. So that might be worth paying attention to. Um, more fight looks kind of cool. It's more fight. Yes. Yeah. Casual atmospheric FPS inspired by the classics, whatever that means. Oh, so it's inspired by classic FPS, which involves researching plants. Right. I'm not. Yeah. I don't oh, remember yeah. that in my quake, but okay. <laughs> um. It does look pretty neat. You're right. Looks all right. I think that's about it for. Yeah, I've clicked on everything else. Yeah, September twentieth. Uh, September the twenty first. Oh, there was one thing. Uh, Monsters and Medicine on September the twentieth looks pretty neat. Uh, it is a kind of tycoon and puzzle game. It's a turn-based puzzle game where you have to expand your monster hospital, and you also have to injure monsters that are knocking at the door. While injured monsters knock at the door wanting treatment. So it's a weird puzzle shuffle tycoon management game that involves running a monster hospital. I thought that was kind of cool. So it's that. September 21st. We have Hold Fast, Nations at War. Yeah, this looks pretty interesting. Off of all of the upcoming naval combat multiplayer thing games. Uh, this says competitive multiplayer first and third person shooter set during the Great Napoleonic Era. Yeah, and, but there's uh, a 125 player count on the server. Yeah, it's this is a more of a infantry game, not a ship game. Mm. 
Uh, there's obviously been the Napoleonic Wars stuff with Mountain Blade is quite popular. Looks like they're trying to make a game with that. I don't know if there's also naval combat. It looks like there is. There this does there. look interesting. Yeah. I mean, no matter how janky it looks, I I'll jump into a 125-player oh, account server and see what happens. Yeah. I love the fun. look of it. I love the look of it. I hope it's good. Yeah, this looks like it could be a blast if they execute it correctly. Oh, Those shit. There's a super risque version of Honey Pop called Mirror. What? <laughs> It's basically Honey Pop, except it's like... Do I want to even show this? <laughs> 12. Nope, I don't. Demons. My That's garbage. God, added to wish list. <laughs> Not showing that garbage. Whoa! Uh, that's <laughs> super... Oh, but look, it's like Cleopatra. Whoa, that, never mind. That shot is up close and personal. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Not showing it. Ain't happening. Would like to keep my channel intact. Heat signature. Right, the game that Heat I, that signature. Show. Darkestville Castle is Or not. Darkestville um, Castle, okay. Darkestville Castle is uh, a point-and-click where you play as the bad guy, and you're trying to actively kill the heroes who are there to get you, which okay. is very cute. Like any decent demon. There's <laughs> some really nice art in that. Cute. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really, that's, that's neat. Yeah, so you're well, playing nice. Sid, the demon of Darksville. Heat signature, because Dan will kill us if we don't fucking mention this. He's been on this mm. damn thing for weeks. It's finally coming out. This mm. is the game by the guys that made, the guy, single, that made Gunpoint. And it is a game where you break into spaceships, make terrible mistakes, and thinks of clever ways to escape. And you can do all sorts of things like, oh god, I've got to leave the ship out of the airlock in my spacesuit. Can I somehow figure out a way to get to safety before I die? And all that kind of stuff. Use gadgets and distract ambush, take out the crew, take over the ship. Yeah, this is probably going to be a bunch of fun, and I like the theme a lot more than Gunpoint, so I'm all in on this one. <laughs> There's a game called Ancient Frontier that looked pretty cool. Ironically... It's called Ancient Frontier, but it's clearly in space. It's a turn-based strategy where you can command a large and massive fleet of capital ships, which is all, I'm all into that. You know me when it comes to- That sounds like a you game. That's a me game. Yeah, so I'll look like that. Looks like it's mostly a hex-based game. That was all that- Oh, there's another Lost Phone game, apparently? Yes. Yeah, a sequel, I think. It's called Another Lost Phone, Laura's Story. Spiritual <laughs> sequel to a normal Lost Phone. Uh, I, Dodge, I think you played a normal Lost Phone, didn't you? Yeah, I did. You into that? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, the first one was good. Nice. September the 22nd, Project Cars 2. As we were mentioning, for those into the racing sim genre, these are big daddies in that. So that is the latest and greatest in that respect. I'm going to... I mean, I would assume this had VR support right off the bat, but yes, it does. Yeah, so big VR, super accurate racing game. There's a game called Touch My Spinner that's a fucking no. fidget spinner oh, game. No. Nope. I Not wasting it, time on this but... shit. Nope. Fuck no. that. <laughs> nope. Don't even give it the time of day. Steampunk, Touch My Spinner, please. Steampunk Syndicate 2. That's uh, another Steampunk Tower Defense game. God, wasn't the last one of this out like last week? It does look like a pretty good Tower Defense game, but I'm almost certain we saw the prequel to this last week. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, the Figment. Figment. What's that all about? Uh, it is an action adventure game, but it looks awesome. Visually, looks very interesting and weird. Yep, sure as hell does that. As to what you do, that's a different matter entirely. But visually, that looks pretty great. There is a 
the Raiders of the Broken Planet prologue is coming out, a game that we did not enjoy when we played it multiplayer, so I certainly no, hope they fixed that. Not. We did that not get not along with that game. at all. No, we were unhappy with that one. SteamWorld Dig 2. That's a huge deal. The SteamWorld uh, developers are really awesome, and they're bringing out their latest game. That has come to Switch, PC, PS4, and PlayStation Vita on the 22nd. So... Don't miss out on that one. I wasn't so keen on SteamWorld Day compared to SteamWorld Heist, which is a very different kind of game, but I'm looking forward to trying the second one and see if I maybe like this one a little bit better. So it's got a bit more Spelunky-esque stuff going on, and there's mining and crafting and stuff like that, so. All right, I don't think there's really anything else on the 22nd that looked particularly interesting. Mm. So we can mostly avoid that. And the 23rd... Nothing really there either, actually. Nothing that I saw. Yeah. Anybody see anything else on the list that was worth see looking at? Anything out? on the twenty-third? No, I didn't either. Um, the twenty-fifth would be the last day. Twenty-fourth actually has no games on it, according to this list. Um, there was, there is something I guess that's coming out. What's that? Uh, it looks. It's called Undarkened. I mean, it looks kind of bad, but I figure okay. I mention it because it's a PVE PvP magic survival game. Um, well, like, I can buy it looking kind of bad, Jesus. Yeah, looking kind of bad. Yeah, but, that looks know, horrendous, people, actually. People like early access uh, survival games, so here's one with magic in it, guys. They sure as hell did that. Wasn't uh, the one that yeah. came out a few weeks ago that Strippin and Crendor played a lot of that they were kind of into that looks uh, a shit ton better than this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's janky like all these games are, but um, anyways, I, I figured I'd mention one. it because people love their early access survival games. Yep, sadly they do. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, uh, hmm? 25th? On What'd the you 25th, got? there's a game called Epilepsia, where you play a blind old man who's trying to bring light back to the streets or something. Okay. I cannot spell whatever that is, so I can't find it. A-B-L-E-P-S-I-A. Oh, A-B-L-E-P. I thought it was epilepsy or something. No. Epilepsy or whatever? Yeah. Okay. All right. As a walking simulator, if you've ever seen one, Jesus. Mm. I think that's about it. Uh, September the 26th is next Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, so we're not going to... There's a bunch of releases there, but we're not going to cover that till next week. Okay. Uh, there was a game called Dwarf Corp that came on the 23rd. I was, uh, anything with Corp and Dwarf in it sounds good. <laughs> Ruthless Capitalist Dwarves. Oh, this sounds like a, yet another attempt to make like an easier Dwarf Fortress kind of thing. It... I wonder if this is by the same guy that made the gnome one. What, Nomoria? Nomaria or whatever? Because it looks really similar to that. Interesting, yeah. It is kind of a dungeon keeper slash dwarf fortress-like game. It is early access, so I'd rather wait for it to come out. But this does look pretty neat, actually. Yeah, I like that. Not bad looking. Yeah, cool style. Cool. I think that's about it, release-wise. Not, uh, nothing, I don't, don't think we missed anything hugely interesting. I'm sure Chat will point out if we didn't. Oh, we did, which they probably will. Oh yeah, uh, when's Pokémon DX out? Is that do we? Oh, uh, do we? We saw. Oh, oh god, that was the twenty second. How the fuck did we miss that? Yeah, Pokémon DX for Nintendo Switch on the twenty second. Yes. Yeah, that will be about it. Yeah. Cool. That's about it. I thank you for the cooperative podcast today. Thank you very much for watching, and big thanks to our sponsor, Audible. Head over to audible.com/slash/cynical for your free audiobook. Jesse, thanks, what's so going on in your channel this week? What's going on? Oh my goodness. Um, this week we're going to have uh, the continuation of a few Scary Game Squad things as well as some uh, 
fun looks into games like uh man god we've got uh tooth and tail and a game called lust for darkness and a bunch tooth of other things so happening good. this week so brace your butts <laughs> we should play a few matches of tooth and tail i've been enjoying it a lot i think i played, so played it oh it's so good so very very good dodger what are you got coming up this week um come watch me on twitch at dex bonus and uh the live show of nebula jazz happened this weekend and it's eight hours of goofs if you'd like to watch that and um finally gonna start putting little highlight clips back up on my channel so those will be coming back this week and just just general shenanigans if you'd like to hang out that's very it. cool Force, thank you very much for spending your time this week to talk to it's us. Yeah, it's been great as always to have you back on. What are you up to this week? What's coming to your channel and your stream? Uh, Twitch is twitch.tv slash force gaming. Oh, you can find my YouTube at force gaming YT for YouTube. Uh, YouTube channel is still mostly Overwatch because that's what my viewer base likes to watch. Uh, I've been splashing some other stuff in. I'm playing a lot of Destiny, so I'm making some of those videos as well. And on Twitch, um, I'm just doing the destiny endgame thing i'll be raiding this week farming more gear and beyond that i play a lot of PUBG with uh, the chuckle fucks krendor uh -huh. and king benji that's uh -huh. a lot of fun so, so they're not oh, kidding about that them? they're the Ch chuckle fucks chuckle chuckle fucks jesse that is a that is a self-given name it is? I, I had no it is a real in. term it is a real thing yeah <laughs> yeah i i think that's a very good name for them very good it, it, it sums them up pretty well yeah it is something <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me no doubt Thank about you. it as for me this week probably won't see too much but if you missed all of the warhammer i mean we played like 10 hours of total war warhammer 2 all the vods are up i'm gonna run a vodcast pretty much after the show i think that's gonna i'm gonna do them in order so i'm gonna run one two and three as a directly after the show's done and i think those are starting to make their way up on the unofficial youtube channel so if you are not a subscriber, you'll be able to catch them there. Outside of that, probably won't be putting out a huge amount of content this week. Hopefully, we're back on the horse in a real way next week. I am hopefully going to be playing Artosis at Tooth and Tail tonight, assuming oh, he gets sick. up in time. Uh, here's a little story for Tooth and Tail. So Artosis, of course, lives in South Korea because he is the English caster for the GSL and the ASL. So he was having problems finding opponents in Tooth and Tail because it hasn't uh, taken off in Korea yet. The devs went into the channel, literally patched the game in the middle of his stream to allow people to search outside of their region and then said, just restart your game and get the new build and you'll find people. And he did. Aww, that was really cool. Awesome. So they should they should be applauded for that. That was really good. So hopefully yeah, going to play with him a little bit later on that. People asking about Shoutcraft Kings. Uh, we are hoping, and this is not 100% nailed down yet, the 30th of September for the next $10,000 Shoutcraft Kings King of the Hill tournament. Keep an eye out for future information on that. And of course, the Masked Luchador tournament probably coming in early October. It's going to be an interesting thing. And I also have another tournament that I haven't announced just yet, which will hopefully I'll talk about in the next few weeks. Yes, Dodger. I forgot to mention that my coffee line is in pre-sale. And I would love it if you guys would check it out. Um, we sell... Uh, beans and ground beans and cold brew and you can find it all at dodgercoffeeco.com and i'm really proud of it and really excited about it and i would love if you guys would check it out That's there all. you go i think the only thing left to do is tell you who the guest is going to be next week on the 26th of 
September on the Tuesday, a regular time at 3 p.m. Eastern. That is 8 p.m. British Standard, British Summertime, in fact, uh, 9 p.m. Central European Summertime. And, of course, 12 p.m. on the West Coast of the United States. We're going to have Simon Miller, a former videogamer.com fame, currently working for What Culture, and currently training to be a pro wrestler. Of course. Why not? Why would you not do nice. all those things at the same Why time? So. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm uh, kidding. Uh, Simon Miller could probably bench press Jesse with very, very e with a lot of ease. Jill, I think baby. he can do it. He can bench Jesse. He's going to be on the show next week. That should be very entertaining. He's a very funny dude. So we're going to be having him on, and that should be a great show. That will be on Tuesday, the twenty sixth of September. Simon Miller, formerly of VideoGamer.com, now on what culture for as long as what culture stays a company because half of the people just quit today so i don't know if it's still going to be there next week but uh -oh. i guess we'll find that out one way or the other he'll do fine he's got his own youtube channel he'll land on his feet all right that's us done folks thank you very much and big thanks of course again to our sponsor audible for making this episode possible today thanks for once again tolerating the technical issues that we have on every single goddamn show that is just the nature of live broadcast ladies and gentlemen it's a pain in the ass thank you very much for watching we'll see you next time goodbye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.